comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box. For the first time ever in PKD Black Box history, uh, Team Tundra has come together and united to bring you another Hip Hop Summit episode. You've heard some of us mention the name Team Tundra, and here are the, the official Team Tundra clan members right now. On one line, coming to you from the D.C. area, he is an artist extraordinaire. Um, he gives you the hit webcomic Ants. He also is a member of the IT world now. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Julian Lido. Julian, how you doing, sir? Oh, man, I'm so cold that right now I'm turning the Summer Olympics to the Winter Olympics. That's, uh, <laughs> they got them coats on. They got them coats on. They're like, oh, it's so cold. I'm feeling it all the way across the pond. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. And now across the pond um, is a gentleman that you've also heard on the PKD Black Box before. Uh, he is a hip hop uh, historian. He is also a lover of hip hop in all of his genres and forms. Real good dude, ladies and gentlemen, Taylor Pithers. Taylor, how you doing, sir? What's happening, man? Thanks for having me again. It's In fact, you know what? It's so cold. I'm about two miles away from the Olympic site now, and I can feel Julian's coldness all the way from here. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Oh, nice. so icy. We're here to talk about, we've hit like a lot of different subjects on hip hop this year on the PKD Black Box. And one thing that we've kind of talked about, we've we talked about West Coast hip hop on a few of these episodes, but this one, we're going to centralize it a little bit. We're going to focus it on a certain area era um we're going to talk about two things we're going to talk about 90s the 90s def jam west coast rap division and we're also going to compare contrast 90s west coast hip-hop to today's west coast based hip-hop as well but um let's go ahead and let's get started on the west on the 90s def jam west coast hip-hop now in the 90s, as we all know, you know, we had N.W.A. We had, um, you know, Ice Cube leaving N.W.A. And then, you know, Dre left N.W.A. And then around that time, Dre left N.W.A. We have the emergence of Death Row Records, which literally just like shut it down on the on the West Coast. Now, Grant, yes, we also had E-40. Yes, we had Spice One. Yes, we had DJ Quick. But one of the more memorable labels of of the 90s that people are familiar with is Death Row Records. And it was very powerful out in the West Coast and it also reached out to the entire United States and the world itself, you know, giving you The Chronic, giving you Snoop Dogg's Doggy Style, giving you The Dog Pound, um, Lady of Rage, you know, all, all types of stuff. And for a good hot period, they dominated the charts, okay? Now, you take into consideration a label like Def Jam, which helped put hip hop on the map, um, especially, you know, in the 80s, you know, with the, you know, granted, yeah, you had Profile and you all, but you also had Def Jam and Def Jam gave you LL, gave you Public Enemy, you gave you a ton of acts, even to the point where DJs knew 
that if they went to the record shop, they bought they bought the 12 inch vinyl single and maybe even two copies of it because they would end up spinning it so much either at parties or on the radio station mixtape shows based off that Def Jam icon, you know, Def Jam logo alone, not even checking out who the artist was. They knew that that record was, would be a hit. So, you know, Def Jam is dominating hip hop. Here comes Death Row kind of shuts it down. So what does Def Jam do? Def Jam says, you know what, we need to get into this West Coast game as well. And in doing so, they did have their own West Coast division. And it had a and it had a number of acts. And we're gonna talk about some of those. Like, say for instance, the biggest one being Warren G plus Domino, a jail felony. Um, after the nineties, they brought in Dub C. They had acts like the Dub like uh, the Dove Shack, uh, Richie Rich. And uh, like smaller acts like BG, BG Knockout and Dresta, South Central Cartel, and uh, the Dove Shack. But I just, like I said, I just wanted to talk about this 90s Def Jam thing. I wanted to get y'all's opinions on it and how y'all, you know, what, so like at the time, what were your takes on it at the time when all this happened? Because this was like between like 93 to about 98. So it's, it's a small window compared to the stuff that Death Row did, but I just wanted to hear y'all's takes on it. So whoever wants to go first, please go first. All right, I'm I'm not going to lie. Like back in them days, like I wasn't even, I ain't even rest mess with it too much. Like I know Warren G. Like Warren G. was Warren G. I didn't even know it was Def Jam when I first heard it. You know what I'm saying? I thought that joint was part of. I thought it was part of Death Row. It was like Nate Dogg, Warren G. Man, they all over the Chronic and Doggy Style and the Dog Channel album. Like oh, you know whatever. I found out later it was part of Def Jam. I was like, what the the hell is this? Like. This don't even make sense. Like J.O. Philly, I'll never like a lot of those cats. I just didn't even. I ain't. I don't know. Like I think it was missing something. It was missing some of that, the quote unquote G funk. It was missing like the the Dre sound. Like the Warren G shit always had that. It was a similar sound because you know they like family or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it had that same groove. But the rest of it just like it didn't sound like that bass shit. And it didn't sound like that Cali sh- Cali shit that I that I knew. So a lot of it's like. Like was it Domino with Sweet Potato Pie? Like yeah, Sweet Potato Pie, you know, and, and a Ghetto Jam. Yeah, like it was cool, you know, for the summer. But it was like, you know, I heard on the radio, I got that's cute or whatever. It's a little jam. That's my little joint. But like, I wasn't looking for his singles. I wasn't looking for like his album. I wasn't bumping Domino. I wasn't bumping Jo Felony. Like I knew Montel Jordan for him. He was like, oh, that's Def Jam West Coast shit. They got some singing nigga. Right, right, right. <laughs> He's good. This is yeah. how we do it. That's my jam. <laughs> That's it. It's like I'm kind of, I'm like, I'm kind of like rusty on it. Like I, I know all those names. I listen to some of their stuff. I just never liked it. I like Dub C. Yeah. Later and, on. Right. And the thing is with Dub C, when Dub C got his Def Jam album, he had already had two solo albums before that. Yeah, and West Coast Connect and West Coast Connection was was already popping. Yeah, right? well, yeah, West yeah West Side Connection was already popping, and he had. You know, even like before West Side Connection and before the Dub C solo records, he was part of Mad Circle. Yeah. So you had Dub C, Dub C and Mad Circle. Then he finally broke off with them, like in the in the mid '90s. Cut some, cut a cut a pretty uh, pr- pretty good amount, like two album, two solo records, and the one the one album he had that single with John B. And which was nice. This was like this R and B cut, and he also had uh, a, then he had another single that uh, had Ice Cube on it that was tight. But then, like I said, he had two solo records. Then he did, um, and then he did that Def Jam album, Ghetto Heisman, in 2002. But yeah, it's it's weird because 
I remember this stuff coming out. And, and Julian, I was just like you. I didn't think it was Def Jam. And this was also during a period of time where Def Jam was also going through some changes because there was a while there were Def Jam albums being released, but they didn't say Def Jam on the back. They said Poly, you know, it's just like a part of Polygram. Yeah. And yeah, that's when they have to go on their Polygram bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And it was, well, that's the thing. It was uh, during that time in history that... You know, Def Jam were going through some serious financial troubles as well, and they didn't really have much in the sense of leadership. And I think that kind of reflected in the, of the sort of acts that they were signing for Def Jam West. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really doing what they really wanted it to. And I, I totally agree with you guys. I think like WC was probably the most critically acclaimed one. Um, but I, I tell you, I think, and I'll stand with Julian on this, I think their biggest hit from the, the whole West Coast side of things was Montel Jordan. And it weren't even a hip-hop tune. This is how we do it. it was bumping in the UK, like, massively. Yeah. Like, really, in the, in the UK specifically, Warren G's biggest hit was the Regulate tune, which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was a, um, a Death Row record, wasn't it? No, no, it was no, on no, the, no. Regulate was an actual Def Jam, Def Jam release. Um, okay, because it was on the Above the Rim soundtrack as well. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. yes, it was. Yes, you were correct. Yes. So, so I don't know how that would like, I guess it was on for Above the Rim. It was a Def Row thing, but on his album, it was a Def Jam thing. So he, even their, their biggest hit wasn't really their own, you know? It, that was a kind of weird thing. I think it was kind of just a, a gloriously failed experiment, you know? Like these guys didn't really have their finger on the pulse in the West Coast and they were like, let's just sign everyone we can, throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because, see, the thing is, like, well, to me, you're right. Montel Jordan, even though he's the, he's the R&B cat, had the most success from, like, that quote-unquote West Coast thing. But, like, I think a lot of people kind of forget about the Warren G. Regulate G-Funk era album because that actually had, besides Regulate, that had two other top, you know, top singles with uh, This DJ and Do You See. Because a lot of people forget about this DJ. Oh, do you see that was my jam? Yeah, though. and do you see was real tight too, and it sold three million copies as well. So I can't front on in that respect, you know. But right, I don't know. Three million copies nowadays would be a pipe dream for a, a, like a Warren G. But back in them days, three million. I know people say, oh, back in the day, like people were selling larger numbers. But even back then, three million was big doings. Yeah, it was real big doings. I mean, you was doing big things if you sold three million records back then. I mean, three million records right now. The way the big labels work. You can still be in financial ruin. Yeah. You know, because the the record labels operate poorly. Some do, at least. Um, but it, it's, it's really, it's just weird because I don't think that Def Jam understood how to capitalize off of Warren G at that time with the success of the Regulate album. And like I said, it's to me, like if you go to all music, Regulate gets like a four out of five according to the editor's rating. It gets four stars out of five. To me, I give it a 3.5 out of five. Um, But it took three years for his second and last album from Def Jam to come out called Take a Look Over Your Shoulder. And that album was not very good. And yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it, it was not very good. And I remember because like the lead single for it and I remember the promotion, the promotion for it was the lead single was called I Shot the Sheriff where they sampled, you know, the uh, Bob Marley cut. And I remember I, that. And, and I, but see, I remember, you know, EPMD using that, you know, many, 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 many years before. 
So when I hear this, I'm like, man, EPMD already done used this beat. So, you know, I'm like, you got to bring something to it if, um, you know, if you're going to go ahead and use this. And I remember Best Buy had this thing where if you bought anything from Best Buy, if you, or I'll take that back, if you bought some CDs from Best Buy, the people at the counter would look at you. And if they figured you listen to hip hop, i.e. black people or, you know, or, or white kids that had their hats on backwards, they would hand you this free a CD sampler which had the Warren G I shot the sheriff single and snippets of the upcoming album as a way to try to get you to buy it because he had been out of you know they hadn't been a recording for almost three years and so they were like well we got to do something so they tried that and I remember my friend Mark had that single and I listened to it I was like that's not hot and and he bought the album because he's a big Warren G fan and I remember he bought it and when this dude loves something, he keeps it in his car forever. That album was in, that CD was in his car for three days. So, mm. I, was, so I was just like, yeah, man. I was like, I guess he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. he was like, it's no good. He was like, it's, it's no good now. You know, yeah, Warren G ended up leaving Def Jam. And in 99, he cut the I Want It All album, which to me is one of his, which to me is on the level of regulate G-Funk era as far as production quality, guests that are on it, rhyming skills and capabilities. Very, very great album. And like I said, it's a non-Def Jam album. It was on Restless Records. Um, and he did it himself. It was real nice. Um, I still haven't heard that 213 record he did with, with Snoop and Nate Dogg. That has some good cuss on it. That has some good jams on it. That's quite it's, old now as well, isn't it? It's, yeah. Yeah. Good, yeah, six or like, seven years old now. Yeah. Yeah, I never got to... See, I never heard that when I remember... Right, sorry, rest in peace, Nate Dog, as well, by the way, man. Yeah, that's man. still... Still, that hits me hard. That that dude was... He was different. He he trailblazed for a lot of guys out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. S- sorry like, to bring yeah. it down to such a... Nah, nah, it was real. It was like... Tone. Back in the day, it was like just like him... It was like, he, it was like him and Sleepy Run was the only real, like, singing cats in rap when they was like at that time period yeah like, mm-hmm. and i didn't even know who the hell sleepy man was I just know he was the singing cat on the outcast records yeah so it was like nate dog was like a icon like it was nate dog he sung among the most gutter gangster things ever and the magic and, of nate dog as well was his his oh god sorry judy and i were getting so hyped over nate dog (laughs) he was so smooth but he worked in that sort of vocal range where anyone could sing along with it he weren't pulling out no mariah higher notes that you couldn't hear do you know what i mean you could sing along with nate dog's tunes and he he had his voice was just oh sorry see i'm getting excited about listening to nate dog now man (laughs) so smooth man any record he was on was just like man just regulate that's what make regulate pop it was just like yep rhyming the story like and then like Nate Dogg is singing the story and then they they come together at this moment like yo he had a good like yo somebody singing he gotta kill somebody is like some blue shit yeah yeah and and I still say that using using the uh I keep forgetting sample I keep, oh yeah, I keep forgetting. That's my shit. That's my shit too. Michael, like that's the one of the white dudes that all black people fuck with right oh, like yeah. that dude he's not white <laughs> That's McDonald, doesn't it? That yeah, song, yes. yeah, like Michael, yeah, yeah Michael, the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, yep, yeah, oh yeah. Because every listen, you could talk to like any any black dude or any or any black person that's either the age of like forty, like between the ages like right now of twenty twenty something to forty something knows about the Doobie Brothers with Michael McDonald, not the Doobie Brothers without the Doobie Brothers with Michael McDonald, <laughs> yeah. and and the Michael McDonald solo records. 
you know, up through the song "On My Own" and "Y'all Mo Be There," and and then they don't we don't pay attention to the hiatus. And then when he come back, when he came back and did the the uh, Motown records, doing the oh. Motown covers, he which came is a beautiful s- album, by the way. Yeah. I, that's how I first kind of like because when when his tunes were big in the eighties, I was quite young and I didn't really know who he was. And then I heard the Motown stuff; that was the really nice stuff. And and see, and that's the and that's like the only white dude that could pull that shit off, and nobody get mad. Yeah, is Michael McDonald because that dude has the lifetime pass. People yeah. for people forget like during the Super Bowl scandal with the or if you want to call it a scandal, um, with Justin Timberlake, you know, and the Janet thing, Motown was coming out with a special to celebrate Motown, like about uh, to celebrate you know, the history of Motown about like a couple of months later. Okay. And because of the controversy and all and all the backlash on Janet, Smokey Robinson and all the cats was like, listen, cause Justin Timberlake was supposed to be on the show. They was like, he is not allowed on the show. If everybody else is going to backlash against Janet, he can't be here. And so Justin Timberlake got pushed off the show. Well, the one thing that did happen, though, because it was just nothing but a celebration of Motown, the show was, was, was half good, half terrible mm-hmm. because, because of some of the guests. The one thing that saved that show, Michael McDonald. They let that motherfucker sing like two or three times on that show. Yeah, and I was, I was like, that's the saving grace. That was the saving grace. I'm like, because like the special itself, like I said, it was half good, half terrible. It's like if you've got Lionel Richie singing Endless Love and you see on the other side, it's like, okay, it's not Diana Ross because, you know, Diana Ross, it's not, it's not the Diana Ross from yesteryear. And you don't have Beyonce singing it with them, but instead you got Kelly Rowland. Mm, no. Are you bringing up Richie, man? Um, have, you, have you guys heard him sing recently? Yeah, man. Yo, it's, it's like a... It's like a Fourth Renaissance. Yeah, I haven't heard it. Richie. The, the last time I, the last thing I heard him sing was Jesus is Love and Michael Jackson's funeral. Mm. That's it. I was like, God damn! I don't know what happened when the when the when the the, the classic black funeral is now on worldwide television yeah. to see to see the way we fucking deal, grieve with with dead people on national TV. But this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was it was crazy. But no, like that guy, that you know, Lionel Richie literally has had. Like four, you know, four comebacks in a way. Cause he a beast. Yeah, he always finds a way to come back. Always. And now he did that little country record Tuskegee, and people forget like songs like "Stuck on You," which was written by Kenny Rogers, which he did, in the, which Lionel did in the '80s, which was an R&B hit. You know, now is back again for the country folks. Country folks done lost yeah. their damn minds over this album. I can't. And how I, old I, is he now, man? Man, he gotta be getting close to sixty. Yes. He got to be. And he'd still take my girl off me. I ain't going to front. He'd give yes. her yes. one week yes. and it'd be game over. Yeah. Yo, he'd take it. He'd just take it. He wouldn't even, <laughs> you, you wouldn't even like, you couldn't even be mad. You just had the whole, you could take his daughter from him. Like, I'm sorry, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Nicole from you. I'm going to see you, I'm going to see you at Thanksgiving dinner, son. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, but see, but how do we get here? But hey, no. Oh no, no. <laughs> the Doobie Brothers regulate. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we all start from you know, from regulate. But see, I mean, it's like that Kevin Bacon chain right there. You, you know, just yeah. like it all circles circles around the music. But like to me, Warren G was like the best of the bunch as far as like the Def Jam collab, collab you know collaborations go. 
I mean, from the '90s, because like the like I said, the Dub C album really doesn't count because that was 2002. We're just really speci- you know specifically talking about from like '94 to like '98, and so because like that's really that was the Def Jam West Coast division essentially. Yeah, because they yeah I don't think they had any good AR. No, no, it, they it's, did. Uh-huh. It's it's an East Coast label. If you think about it, there's not a lot of West Coast based labels that had like really crazy dope, like game changer East Coast acts either. Those are like different mind states. Like, because it's like during that period, like Def Jam wasn't even popping big in the East. Like Bad Boy took over, Wu Tang took over. It took it took till they let fucking Irv go crazy. And start pulling in DMX, Ja Rule, probably help get fucking Hove to like sign that 50, 50, 51% 49 deal with fucking for Rockefeller or whatever and all that before they could they could come back and be strong. Well, because they ain't know what the fuck to do with the West Coast because they're not. Then once they lost fucking um, they co- the co founder Rick Rubin, like they, they didn't have that edge, they didn't have that mind state. Like they they were straight yeah. they straight city, East Coast mentality. They always gonna be mentality. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Cause uh, sorry, um, Sean. Oh, uh, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I totally agree with that. Cause I remember like there was a time when it could be argued that Jo Felony was probably the biggest guy for Def Jam West during that time when Warren G weren't making any records, yeah. and even then at a time when Def Jam weren't even popping. J.O. Felony was like their fifth or sixth priority behind Method Man and Red Man and all those guys. And then, as as you rightly pointed out, you know, then all of a sudden they hit with Jay-Z, DMX and Ja Rule. I remember there was that, I think I've spoken to you about it before, Sean, like there was that big um, promotional push for In My Lifetime Volume 2, mm-hmm. uh, it was uh, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood and the first Ja Rule album. They all come out within a month of each other. Yeah. And that's when Def Jam really started popping again. Right, and not only that, that that also gave you the influx, the influx of the Def Jam 2000 acts. Um, yep. you know, like you know, about a year or two later, which revitalized Redman with Docs the Docs the Name album, which mm-hmm. and also you had the Method Man record, um, Blackout. Oh yeah, yeah, the Method Man Redman album, Blackout, which and then you also had the uh, the just the Method Man solo album, which had that crazy video. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of that album for the life of me right now. But it had You're talking about Judgment Day, are you? Yeah, Judgment Day. Yeah. And you had, but like, and like, it was just it was all coming back around. And like, Def Jam was like reacquiring that power, and it was it was crazy. But yeah, it was it was sparked off the heels off of the I would say more of the Jay Z and DMX stuff than a little bit later. Ja Rule, you know, a little bit yeah. later because like with Ja. They started with the wrong sing, the wrong first single for him. Holla holla! No, no, that was the second single actually. The first single with Holla Holla was a hit, and that every little thing that we do was also a oh, hit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But was it was it Christina Milian? Yeah, yes. every little thing that we do. Yes. But like, that was the that was the shit though. But um, the first like uh like solo song that Ja Rule did, I remember they had a video for it, and the song was called Murder. And it was oh just, oh that shit. It was had a red video. It was a split video. Yeah, and you just walk to the booth. You got Irv. You got all his little 
you know, it was they were still calling themselves like C and B and shit. Yeah, and yeah. It was like it's murder. It was like yeah, yeah. I remember that video. Yeah, yeah that used to play that shit late at night on some fucking MTV Two shit or yeah. fucking BET. Yeah, and I remember, and, and I remember about. and I remember one time BET played it on Rap City one time. And the thing is, they would not put the title of the song on the video, like on on the credits. It just said Ja Rule. It said Ja Rule again, and then it said label. Blah, and the video director. That was it. They would not use the word murder on it's it. It's murder, yeah. And, and so, and so, yeah. But yeah, it was real weird. But like with Jo Felony, it's interesting. You talk when you bring up Jo Felony. Once again, this is a dude. This is a guy. Two albums on Def Jam, and actually, the first record back in '95, which a lot of people didn't really know about, "Take a Ride." Jam Master J signed Jo Felony. J Jo Felony to Jam Master J Records. And Def Jam distribute, uh, distributed uh, "Take a Ride," okay. And a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't know that because a lot of people think J.L. Felony's first album is 1998's "What You Gonna Do?" Because "What You Gonna Do" was the lead single, and it had J.L. Felony, DMX, and Method Man on it. Because that was the oh, first. I remember that. That was the first song I heard from J.L. Felony. Okay, that was the first one I heard. That's the one that got the big push. And I think the thing that kind of like weirded me out. Not it's not that it's in a bad way, but if you listen to J.L. Felony's nineteen the, the 1998 What You Gonna Do album, it's like a West Coast rap you know a West Coast rapper with literally like this combination of like East Coast and West Coast sounds together, and and like you know and to me I don't care where you're from as long as you can rhyme you can rhyme but back then I think that freaked people out. Yes, you know, I yeah, think no, definitely that um that ties into again what we were saying before about like every every region and I kind of I don't know I feel like I'm in a bit of a privileged position looking at like the US from the UK of seeing how the regions are totally different from one another specifically in the nineties mm-hmm. like and as you said you know East Coast producers and East Coast features on a West Coast album just that must have confused a lot of guys out there. Yeah, it was you know I mean but like I mean. Like I said, the album itself wasn't that bad. The What You Gonna Do album actually is not that bad. And he actually had three albums. Um, no, no, no. He had two albums because I'm not sure if J-A-Y-O was, was, a, was either a single or a uh, or an EP. But he had a couple albums on Def Jam and then he left Def Jam. And so and so from, from there, you know, I don't know what happened to him. I know he, he's cut like a lot of independent records ever since. Um, you know, I know that for a fact. And like for a while, he had beef with some with some of the members of the Dog Pound. But I think that went away, and everybody's cool again. But um, it was just like I said, man. It was just it was strange because you know music was so was so regional, and and we've said this before. Back then in the nineties, it was it was territorial, like wrestling, very territorial. Yeah. You had labels everywhere, and a lot of these labels hadn't been bought up and eaten up by the major music labels because of the fact that, you know, a lot of these music labels thought hip hop was a fad or they didn't understand black culture. So they just said we're not gonna fuck with this. But once De- once Death Row had like Interscope distribution, that's when shit all changed. Yeah, because then all these other big labels started buying up, you know, started buying up all these other labels, or they would collabo. Like you know, Bad Boy was with Arista, you know, Def Jam was with you know Columbia, then Polygram slash Polygram, and then ended up over at at Island Music, which was yeah, which was Polygram, and yeah, which ended up being part of fucking 
Def Jam anyway. Right. Like, you know, and yes. now and now Def Jam is part of Universal. So, yes. you know, and there's this like this constant transition, like all the big labels, like all these hip hop labels ended up on other labels. Like, you know, like Columbia bought loud and burned it to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um Son of dead. you know, I'm mm-hmm. like, how do you destroy loud? That's a that's a painful day, man. When even just talking about it now, it reopens fresh wounds. But see, but I don't. But I say I say to this day, Sony never understood hip hop. Sony never understood. Sony slash Columbia never truly understood black music. Honestly, you know, because like I mean, come on, man. Like they had, you know, they had Epic, and then like they, I think they struggled with my, you know, with Michael Jackson after Bad. They struggled because I don't think they knew what to do with Michael after that. And then, like, you know, and Michael's Michael. You know, the man did Thriller. Sold so many albums around the world, you know, around the globe. I don't think they understood, like, what do we do now? You know, and Michael's going to do what Michael's going to do. But still, I don't think they understood how to carry that. It's like they had, you know, Destiny's Child. And then when Beyonce got solo record, you know, got solo records, they're like, well, what do we do with Kelly? And what do we do with Michelle Williams? Well, let's give Kelly, let's give Kelly some albums with, with half-ass production. Oh, it didn't sell. Bye. And, you know, and they drop her like a bad habit. Michelle Williams said, like, what do we, what we, what do, we do with her? She whispers. Yeah. You know, she whispers. She doesn't really sing. She whispers. What do we do with her? Well, let's give her a gospel album first. Oh, that didn't sell. Okay, let's give her a dance album now. Well, that kind of sold. Bye. They never, they never, honestly knew what to do with hip hop acts. And the perfect example is Cameron. Wow, yeah, horse and carriage. Mm-hmm. They never understood what to do with the hip hop acts. He had two albums under uh, under Sony, and both of them did not sell that well. Yo, SDE was my was shit. I fucked with that, SDE. That's that was the second, second one, yeah. Joint. Yeah, yeah. It means the world with you. He sampled that that Roxanne joint, which is spitting. Just like before, he got a little his little. He got I think he got a little sick or whatever. He was just fucking killing it. You know, that's before fucking drag on took his whole fucking flow using that shit on fucking Rough Rider anthems and shit. You know what I'm saying? It was just Cam just like I was like, oh, I was like, man, you know what I'm saying? He was Cam is Cam. I was yeah, man. I don't know how you fuck up Cameron. This this motherfucker made. He made the hardest dudes in the world wear pink and purple in the street. Yeah, man. I ain't, I ain't gonna front. Uh, my life couldn't be any different to Cameron's life entirely. But there was a period for about eighteen months when, for me, he wasn't the best rapper, but he was definitely my favorite. Him and Joel Santana between that first that first Rockefeller album and Joel's first Rockefeller album with the two Dipset albums in the middle. Boy, that that was that was good times, and he's never seemed to recapture that, you know. Yeah, man, As I'm telling you, them, them, that cast yo is Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, Cameron's Booster Gold. No, but I, I'm I'll just kill you. I, I'm serious. Go and look over over the decades. Go and look at like Sony and Columbia, Sony slash Columbia. Look at all the black acts they've had over the years, and there's a lot of talent there, and they honestly didn't know what to do with it it's like they can have one artist under like they can have one female or maybe two or one male and maybe two look this is the same label that that also carried rough house records and and rough house which was like the early home for so so deaf before so so deaf just became you know on its own because like uh, rough house was also the home of cypress hill yep um and then rough house dissolved and then, you know, the Cypress Hill was strictly on Columbia Records. Um, 
And then they went and just still going ahead and did their own thing after a while. But So So Def got dropped from Columbia after um, So So Def got dropped from Columbia after I remember seeing this ad in like either it's like a hip hop magazine. And this was before Jermaine Dupree dropped that second solo CD instructions. He said like in the ad, it said every So So Def album has either went gold or platinum. And it had a list. It was every single artist he ever had. And the thing is, he didn't add the Houdini album, um, but because uh, people forgot about six, I, I ain't forgot. But um, it was like every act is gone, gold or platinum, and I'm like, you've just cursed yourself, because when Instructions came out, it didn't. I don't think that went gold. And then I remember shortly after, um, So So Def got dropped by Columbia, and and Columbia kept Bow Wow, and but they were like everybody else, yeah, y'all can go. And was that before or after he produced the Janet album? That uh, that was uh, that was before the Janet. That was before Twenty Years Old. Because remember, after he after the whole after So So Def was no longer part of Columbia, then they let Jermaine Dupree become the boss of Virgin Records. If I remember yes. right, they let him yeah, become the boss yeah. of Virgin Records, and he was you know, and he was like the exec producer on Twenty Year Old album. And the thing is, that album isn't that bad, but but it's Janet and and I still say that like America still had problems with Janet it didn't matter what she sang okay there was still this like like you know stigma around Janet and people was just like hating on her to hate on her first you know her first song had fucking Nelly on it Nelly was like the shit during that period of time you put Nelly on anybody's record at that period of time and it was a guaranteed hit and it was like no Yo, I have a different opinion, yo. Talk to me. Janet Jackson albums when she's happy are terrible. <laughs> no, it's real. It's like the way she works and way she's working whoever she's producing or writing her songs. Uh-huh. When she's in an abusive relationship, her albums are unbelievable. Them shit saying to test of time just like her brothers. Like Control is with fucking her father. Like Rhythm Nation is with that DeBarge motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Janet is with that whatever that Renee motherfucker and so is developer because they were breaking up with that motherfucker after that it's been diminishing returns she got some highs on the album <clears throat> excuse me but overall they're not they're not as good because you she knows she's in a place of peace well I will say all for you all for you is a hella hella dope album though yo I love the fuck out of all for you but that's when she was starting to be happy if I think if you put it against like the velvet rope it's not as good mm-hmm. but it's still a good album okay because like some people will argue that with Mary J. Blige records and and like I and I get like in a heated argument with folks about that because it's like yo people can't be miserable all their damn lives but oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah 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 but Mary J. is weird because it's like I don't know if it's her about her being miserable or her just going through different things and she's she changes so much I got a theory about Mary J, which is similar to your Janet Jackson one, actually. But she does it for her music. Where she's going through bad times, she talks about how much pain and drama she's going through. And when she's having good times, she talks about all the pain and drama that she isn't going through. And that's why I kind of think she's like, I'm probably going to get a bit of hate here, but I kind of think Mary's Mary's a bit dry, you know. There's only one Mary album for me that's popping, and that's the Bad Boy Remix album, What's the 411. Like, I know it's going to draw a bit of hate like, because I know everyone loves Mary, but uh, I don't know, man. There is only one Mary J. Mary J. Blige album I don't, I, I don't enjoy that much. 
and that's the one that was called Mary. It's got some nice heartfelt joints on it, but to me, it's it's not a it's not a complete album compared to all of her other records. Even the one she went back and did with Puff called Love and Life, I like that album. Even though in the DVD that came with it. They got into a heated argument because Puff was like, you need to go back and do that miserable stuff that made you miserable and sing them songs again. And she's like, look, I'm, and she's like, I'm past that. I'm not going back to that. And she's like, I can't do that no more. And um, but like she's been around for 20 years. I mean, as of this recording, you know, what's the 411 is officially 20 years old. I know. Yeah, man. You know, and think about it. She still dope as hell. Mm-hmm. What you say, Julian? This shit had Grand Pooba on that yes. shit. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And here's the thing, okay? She was, in my opinion, the only female R&B artist from that era, from that era to survive the hip-hop R&B, female R&B you know, like the, the you know the 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 merge the merging of hip hop sound with R and B sound. She was the only one to survive that because there were a few a few ladies during that period of time that dropped albums around the time of what's the four one one, and none of them are here anymore. None yeah, of them. True, man. That is true. Yeah, I don't think it's because they probably came from different places. I think she was literally she she had all the things that you expect from an MC, but she sung. Yes, it's like when she was singing over the audio two beat, and this is this is probably another this this is a great time. This is the genius of fucking young twenty something early twenties puffy. It's like yo, we gonna get that audio two beat. We gonna loop that shit up. Yo, you gonna you gonna sing that song over this, and you'd be like, and she just sung that man that real love still crane, yes. still crane yes. like flash reminisce. Oh yeah. Oh man. You know, and even the remix of Reminisce with CL Smooth on it. And what was the joint she had with um with Ray with Ray and Ghost spitting fire over it? That shit was so tough. What boy, what do you boys think about her doing the Burger King commercial? You know what I think about that? What's that? These uppity motherfucking black folks and just shit the fuck down. Let motherfuckers eat. Like she got two million dollars for it. Yeah. Like thirty yo, seconds, bang! Like yo, what black people can't like yo? You you think everything is racist? You think we don't like chicken? She can't sing about chicken, but David Beckham can talk about chicken. Everybody else can talk about chicken, but when a black person come up, she get paid to talk about singing. Now, not only is she, you 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 don't trust her judgment to see if something is racist. You know what? You, you know what? This also goes back to you were see see because the thing is, it's not just with Mary. Um, you know, because like the same thing happened to Darius Rucker. When uh, Darius Rucker sang for uh, for Burger King about like a a chicken ranch sandwich, yes, that shit was awesome. That commercial was the truth. And he and he, <laughs> and he had the cowboy hat on. And like I remember the first the first time I saw it, I was mad. And I remember one of my boys said the same thing you just said. He was like, "Look, man, you know, black folks like chicken." And he was like, "And not every not every black folk like not every black person may love chicken." And not every black person may love watermelon, but there are people that do. And guess what? There's white people that like chicken, too. And there's white people that like Darius Rucker. So it's okay. And he's like, you know, he was like, he's like, it's not to the point. He's like, that commercial was not to the point of racism as opposed to what they did to Bill Cosby many, many years before that when Jello put him in a watermelon striped suit and had him rapping about watermelon Jello. He was like, that's a fucking travesty. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you're right about yeah. that. But. 
Darius Rucker, like, people was just getting on him, like, y'all wasn't supporting him no way. Right. Y'all black folks wasn't buying Hootie the Blowfish albums. And they didn't, and they didn't buy his country records. And they, no, and they didn't support that R&B record he cut either, which was Hell nice. Hell no, and that shit was good. God, that was well, nice. Folks, black folks didn't support him. Why should he used to be so carrying some kowtows, some NAACP motherfuckers, and these motherfuckers were going to talk on the radio, NPR shit, talking about what's it is and is it black. Where the fuck were you guys when he was hustling, singing them good-ass records with all his white boys in the band? I fucked with Hootie and Blowfish. I watched them videos all the time. I was like, there's a black dude singing rock music. He filling up arenas. Yes. Yes. I, I couldn't hate. I, I could not hate. I could not hate. And then that's, you know, but like, you go back even further, Petty LaBelle got flack when she did that McDonald's commercial for like, uh, it was like a hamburger or something like that. No, Mac, Mac Tonight was in that shit. And, uh, <laughs> and, and they got mad at Petty because it's like, you a vegetarian. You ain't supposed to be doing that shit. I'm like, let her eat. Let her have her money. She got to pay. For, she got to pay for all that shellac for her hair. Let her have that money. Uh, you could. You if you paid me two million dollars, I would sing about anything. I don't care if you're giving me that sort of cake. I will sing about uh, how a turd in a shoe tastes nice. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I, I I don't care when when mon- when that sort of money's involved. And that's like I don't know, man. Like, was is it really that bad with the whole race thing? Like people getting uppity about what people are singing about. Well, see, but see, a lot of it has to do with presentation. I will say this once, and I'll say it again. A lot of it has to do with presentation because these commercials that we just talked about, the Pay commercial, the Mary J. Blige commercial, and the Darius Rucker commercial, it's not really that bad. But the one that Hammer did pissed me the fuck off because I'm like, when you start dancing for chicken, that's when I get a little bit upset. All right. You know, I ain't going to lie. I was when I was a kid, I was like, don't dance for chicken on national television, Hammer. Don't do it. And I saw the commercial and I just put my head down. I turned the TV. That bothered me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I got images of like a little Sean sitting there in front of the telly, just like mildly weeping at Hammer dancing for chicken or something right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the other ones, the other ones I, I didn't mind, but that one, that one struck a chord with me. It really, really did. And I was just like, no, I'm, I, I can't, I can't support that. I can't, I can't get behind that. But the other ones, it's not, to me, it's not a big deal. Let it go. You know what I mean? Let, let it go. back to the, to the west coast def jam thing real quick because we're you know we're about to really close on it because a lot of the acts that def jam def jam west coast acts that they had they weren't acts that they really cultivated they came you know they were already cultivated by the time they came on def jam it's like uh, say for instance richie rich richie rich is a perfect example richie rich had like two like one or two solo records before he was actually signed with def jam and then when they got on Def Jam, they really didn't know what to do with them. Because the first time I heard Richie Rich was on the Looney's I Got Five on It remix and also on the Nutty Professor soundtrack where they sampled uh, Tony, Tony, Tony's Lay Your Head on My Pillow. And he was talking about, he was basically talking about weed. Um, and they got, uh, was it Dwayne Wiggins? Not Dwayne, yeah, I think they got, yeah, Dwayne Wiggins to sing the hook on it. So, but, you know, he had. You know, he had stuff before he had that solo Def Jam record. And when the solo Def Jam record came out, it didn't really hit until Tupac died. And then when they dropped the single uh, single for Do G's Get to Go to Heaven, when they dropped that single for it, they went back and had Richie Rich ADR on the front of the song, Tupac, you know, saying Tupac rest in peace and whatnot. Because I had that single. 
and it was weird because I was listening to it and the music started playing and I heard like this high pitch, like this like low but yet high pitched squeal in the back and you hear Richie Rich's voice saying, you know, rest in peace, Tupac and whatnot. But I'm like, did they just lay that over at the last minute? That song hit, but that album didn't hit. And he had that one album and then he was gone. And, you know, and like with, uh, with the Dove Shack, the Dove Shack was underneath the G-Funk record label, but it was still distributed through Def Jam. And that didn't really get a push, so that really went nowhere. It was it was it was strange. It was like they wanted to do it, but like you guys said, there was no really no strong A and R team. Def Jam was having its own identity problems at the time, financial problems at the time, and they were just trying to compete. And it was, I think it was a thing where it was there were good intentions behind it, but the end result was inconsistent. And that's why it went from basically the one thing people remember most or two things people remember most from Def Jam West Associated Acts are Warren G and on the R&B side, Montel Jordan. Yeah, man. Everything you just yeah. said right there is, is right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because like, seriously, I forgot all about Domino until I was listening to Sirius Radio and Ghetto Jam and Sweet Potato Pie play back to back. You know, I completely forgot about Domino. Completely, you know, and he was one of the cats that was singing bef- before Drake. <clears throat> but um, oh, let's not even this this dude here. How you gonna say you you the first mainstream? You made singing and rapping hot. If Fuji's album came out in '96 and Wyclef and Lauren sing, and them motherfuckers are singing other languages not and only, rap, I'll rap you exactly. Not only that, I'm like, do do I have to go back to Ice T's Body Count when he had a rock band that was singing and rhyming? Hey man, look, Arrested Development were doing it in 91, 92, was it? Yo, fucking, yeah. fucking Nelly was doing it, like in 2000. Ja Rule, ja Rule lost his career in that battle to 50 Cent because he was singing. And then, yeah, he made and lost his career on singing. Yeah, like like 50 was like, how you going sing to sing and rap, man? And, and, then, and basically everything fell apart. And then, But then 50 turned it on Ja and started singing hooks. Singing his records. <laughs> <laughs> And all these people got more Grammys than Drake. Yes. Not only that, I'm like, yo, we have have we forgotten that like the past few Queen Latifah albums, you know, like from the ones from like the late like late nineties up until now, she been singing on them too. Yeah. Singing and rhyming. I'm like, it's not just you, dude. It's not just you. The that- problem is, is that he that's the thing. The sometimes the weakest shit on his albums, to me, is his rhyming. Yep. Uh, look, man, I ain't even. Uh, look, I can't even hate on Drake because at the end of the day, I just look at him like he's a pop star. Yeah, he, he ain't. He's not even on on my radar, really. Like, if you're getting into beef with Chris Brown, who's another pop star, and trying to make it like it's a hip hop beef, like, I'm not buying it, man. I'm, yeah. I'm just not even entertaining the idea of buying it. Like, he, Dude, look, Lane do him. got that powerful shit, son. I don't know what oh, she got. No, yo. I just want to. I I don't know. I don't even want to be near it. I don't know what it'll make me do if it's making people fuck up Tony Parker's eyes and shit. I don't. I don't want to know if I want to be near that. It might be too much. No, no, no. I gotta no. wear the last like Superman. You know what I'm saying? Be like, oh, you know, put the suit on so I don't so I can block the the powerfulness of, of her libido or sexiness or something to make <laughs> people lose their mind. Now, now, explain to the people, because like, I, I don't think a lot of our listeners will, will understand why we call Rihanna the R&B Jean Grey uh, of, uh, of the world. Kind of explain like this, this beef that, that uh, well, if you want to call it one, that occurred between uh, uh, Mr. Drake and uh, Mr. Brown. 
Wait, who, hold up. Who, who's Wolverine then, and who's Scott Summers? Oh, neither of them is no. They don't. <laughs> That's what I'm that. saying. Like, it, it ain't even, I can't even be putting the gene gray because that means that oh, one wait, of them wait. has got to be Wolverine. Nah, nah. This is old school X-Men. This is some Jack Kirby X-Men. One of them motherfuckers is Angel, and the other <laughs> motherfucker is punk as for punk ass early Cyclops. Okay. okay. He was soft. <laughs> This is soft. This is extra soft Cyclops. Not I'm leading X Men with the dope trunks and the full skull. This ain't I got the X Factor big white X on. This ain't the, I got my hair out. You know I'm GQing in the in the Capcom game. This ain't I'm running Utopia. This is original. I don't know what to do. I'm kind of like Peter Parker, but I don't pull no birds Cyclops. So if you're gonna put he that soft, okay, wait. Then I yeah. Drake is that Cyclops right there. And then I'm calling Chris Brown crazy ass one Worthington. Cause you know he got too much money to do with. And you know, I don't know, man. That's that's the best I can do. Both of them dudes look soft. I don't know how they're getting in the fights over. But yeah, basically, we all know Chris Brown was with Rihanna and then he beat her up. And he uh basically Which makes him a waste man, I will make, say. Yes, yes, use the slang from London yes. he's a standard waste man if you lay your hand I don't care what she did like if, if she gave him the clap or whatever yeah you don't lay your hands on a woman like that no. that is some waste man maneuvers yes so so you know all during this time period you know Drake's being Drake you know he put the little sad songs he's singing his little sad songs you know he's 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 getting nice little hugs and pictures with all these ladies, you know what I'm saying? But he be writing tracks for Rihanna. So I guess maybe, you know, he didn't profess his love for her or something, some songs or something. You know how he do. So over time, you know, Rihanna is a free woman right now. She is free. This is what people don't understand. You know, some of these women, they get their own money. They they do it. They free. They ain't, they ain't, they ain't holding no man. But, you know, sometimes she, she gets with Drake. And, you know, Drake's kind of, he's happy. You know, he got the good videos with her. You know, they got the little chemistry going on. Chris Brown, I think he wanted back. And, you know, somehow the black community kind of just let it, let it push to the side that he, I don't know, beat up Rihanna on Grammy nights like four years ago. So they let that shit slide. But so he's bigging up. He's got albums. He got Busta Rhymes. Beasting them up in the back saying, you can rap, son. You can do this. You know what I'm saying? You know, he out there. So he, they going over Twitter, either talking trash about her or talking trash about be, about each other, because she, you know, she's just doing her. Yeah. So basically, some beef must have happened in the club after they hung out with fucking Rick Ross. Oh, you know that over there. And Drake is with Meek Mill from from freaking Maybach Music, and Chris Brown with his little group or whoever. And some shit pop off, and motherfuckers is throwing bottles. Now, I don't know what happened is. And this may sound ignorant, but I don't know when it was cool for dudes to be throwing bottles at each other. That was something you see in Dynasty. Yeah. <laughs> and Joan Collins doing. But, oh, they throwing bottles. And, you know, Chris Breezy get hit in the chin. He gets some skin knocked off. And the, and the, and the mishap, though, my man Tony Parker was chilling because it's the playoffs, but he got sent home because Durant and OKC was beasting everybody in the, in the West ass. He thought he was relaxing, but some shit got in his eye. And he about to sue the club. I'm surprised he didn't sue both of them dumbass rappers because now he's playing in France and he got goggles on, messing up his pretty face. I don't he usually wear those goggles. No, no, no. I was no, like, no. he's bringing that Horace Grant style back. I'm no, liking he, it right now. No, here. he's Tony Parker is got you know was before before the incident was goggles free. Oh, uh, for real? Oh yeah, yeah. He's got because my girl was just asking like, why has he got the goggles on? I was like, I don't know. I, was, I suppose he needs glasses, isn't it? This is why you don't need to go to the club. Period. 
if, if you are over 30 something years old, you do not need to go to the club no more because folks can't act right. Yeah, you don't go yeah. to the club. Let's go. You go to the club. He's Tony Parker. He's supposed to be the club where the where the the high echelon and Hollywood stars is at. Them clubs that the rappers can't get into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but let's not call Chris Brown a rapper, please. Let's not call well, him a rapper. Yeah, you know them young foolish cats. You know, Tony Parker too old for cats. That's that's not his scene. He I think it's like I shouldn't have been there. I should have been I should have called I should have called Brad Pitt up or something. Be like, yo, where you at in New York, man? I need to he should have called Kanye up, be like, Where you at? Where where Hove? Where y'all at? <laughs> they they would have been in the right position. There would be no been no bottles flying. Mm-hmm. Kim Kardashian would have been there. Beyonce probably would have been there. It'd have been a nice fine engagement. They would have drunk in the finest of wines, eating the 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 best caviar that only Aquaman could get you or some shit. You know. Oh yeah, he could have took him to the fifty fifty club. You no, know, in the Barclays Center. Yeah, pull, pull up to my arena. Maybe we can get you to jump to the Brooklyn Mets. You know. <laughs> I don't get it, man. I, I I really don't get it. And like this whole thing with with Chris Brown is just something that irritates the living piss out of me. Anyway, it's like, look, you know what he did was beyond wrong. And the fact to to me, the fact that he never, I'm not he, because like he, he he never there was never any you know humility or humbleness, you know, just to say you know what I did something really wrong, and I need to one work out the problems I have to, you know, become a better man and, you know, and just and just do right. That never came out. So I'm like, how can you expect me? How can you expect me to say, you know what, man, you know what you did? You did what you did. And, you know, you're going to turn it around. It's all right. I, I just let it go. I forgive you. I can't do that because I never saw forgiveness. You know what I'm saying? But like I guess to him is that if he admits it, if he admits guilt, then people are gonna like, you know, harass him for the rest of his life. But I'm like, you know what, if you actually change for the better and stop doing this bullshit, then maybe people will like you know, people will, you know, let it go. But like the Grammys let it go. I'm like, yo, just because after this incident and Michael Jackson died and you came on B E T and did a whole Michael Jackson thing, which I'll admit was hot, um, it still doesn't make up for the fact that you beat that, that you beat Rihanna or beat a woman. Period. It doesn't make up for it. But like, th- we are you know this country is re- we're really weird about forgiving people for certain shit. And you know, domestic violence. Oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll let it go. But you know, but like, if if your titty pops out on TV, you are a criminal and a danger to America. I don't understand it. I don't. I don't get it. It's like, where did, where did like you know the, the more like the, as far as like I shouldn't say morals, but where do the, the mores? When did this shit get mixed up? Yeah. Look, look. You know, look. I can't speak on on what's going on over there, but like I, I, I do agree to an extent. It does seem that like like American populists at large have a bigger problem with sex than they do with violence. Oh, we've always said America's always had a problem with sex. Violence has never been an issue for America, but sex will forever be an issue about America. I'm like, hell, even when Salt and Pepper was singing Let's Talk About Sex, the original version and the and the dance remix, like that was controversy. And that was like one of the cleanest songs in the damn history of rap. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. until they till ABC did that little thing with them and they returned and let's talk about was it but to talk about AIDS or whatever. They like kind of like redid it for that little special with fucking Peter Jennings that he really got it got kinda like, okay, that song is cool now. Yeah. 
We've discussed 90s uh, Def Jam, West Coast music. We've discussed the music business in general. Let's take it back. And let's do some compare contrast as far as like West Coast hip hop from the '90s as opposed to West Coast hip hop for today. And we'll start with we'll start with Taylor, and then we'll move it to Julian. Uh, Taylor, what do you see are the big differences between yesterday's West Coast hip hop and today's West Coast hip hop? Well, I think there's a the biggest difference is, and and this is the biggest difference for hip hop as a whole, is the sense of identity and the the sense of the sound of where you come from, you know, in the nineties, there was that whole, I think like we've already spelled it out for everyone out there. Uh, death row really run the West coast throughout the nineties. And I think though, just as an aside, I think that what happened with death row affected death jams, West coast sort of output, you know, as soon as death row kind of fell, fell off the whole of the West coast fell off for a long time. Um, nowadays, I think with the internet and things like that, there isn't really a West Coast sound anymore. And I think that because of that, the West is enjoying a bit of a resurgence. Like, I know you guys were talking about that Kendrick Lamar and Dr. Dre track a few weeks ago. Mm. Like, Ooh. that's hot right there. And, like, the whole of the Black Hippie crew, like, all Kendrick Lamar and uh, Absol and Schoolboy Q, like, who Schoolboy Q, incidentally, is on Def Jam. Um, you know, like, them guys are doing all right at the moment. And I think, um, you know, a, a, a big sort of underground movement's come out of the West Coast as well. With like, obviously you got like them odd future guys, but I think um, the the biggest for me personally is uh, Stones Throw Records. Who the biggest thing that they've done recently is Aloe Black, who again is not a rapper, but like I know in, in the UK, I Need a Dollar was the the, the hottest jam for, throughout the whole of last summer. Wasn't like, it? Wait, 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 wait. That was the joint that was on How to Make It in America. The yes, song, I Need a Dollar, Dollar, Dollar is what I. That's my shit, son. That 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 was on mainstream radio every day in this country for about three America. or four. Not months. in America, not in America. For real, nope. if it wasn't for HBO, nobody would know the fuck about that song. Exactly. exactly. Have, have you guys heard the Yellow Black album? No, I didn't oh, know the dude's name. I just know that song is fire. Right, his name's Aloe Black. Like his first name's Aloe, like Aloe Vera, like A L O E, and then Black B L A C C. It's lovely, man. It's like a throwback to the seventies. Some real nice stuff on there, like a similar sort of vein to that. I need a dollar track, and like like that's a Stone's Throw record release. Who are like a sort of boutique hip hop label in LA, and like they're doing a lot of stuff with some young guys like Madlib and the Loop Pack and John Wayne and all them. And I think that's where the West is growing now. And particularly, again, with Kendrick Lamar, I think he's going to be massive, man. But no, you hit up that that Aloe Black, though. I, I remember, like, you know, hearing that on the, uh, I heard that on, the, that on that HBO TV show. And also there was a commercial where they, they used I Need a Dollar. But I remember specifically here in the States, not one radio station I know of, whether it be like in the, like in like Kentucky, Ohio, Indianapolis, West Virginia, all those states never touched that song. Wow, I'm not on the East Coast at all. I Let me put it in contrast. Coast. Let me put it in contrast for you. Yeah? Have, have you guys heard of Glastonbury? No. It's like it's like the UK Coachella. But it's oh, yes, been yes, going, yes, yes. It's been yes, going for yes. like forty years. It's been going forever. Yeah, he was on the main stage last year, and he had the whole crowd. And we're talking like sixty, seventy thousand people singing the hook to that tune. That's how big the record was in the UK. Mm. That's crazy. Like, big big doings and that's an independent label you know like like that then that's where i think the west is coming from i really really do at the moment 
Like, and, uh, look, go on, sorry, man. <laughs> no, I said that's amazing. Yeah, man. Yeah. The main stage. That's yeah, main stage, and and people are singing. I need a dollar. Like he weren't even singing it towards the, like the last hook of the record, and the crowd were going bananas. Yeah, I mean it's real. It's real how how big he is overseas. It's it's um it's amazing. Yeah, no no state love whatsoever. None. That's crazy because like uh, he he's from LA, man. The like st- I would have thought the state the state of R and B music in the United States is dreadful. Yo, Taylor, you know what? I can't. It's almost like we can't speak on West Coast radio because that this shit is divided so much in this country that they play completely different music. Yeah, that's how big America is. We only know about the East, the West Coast shit. It's completely and utterly different. It's like a whole different audio landscape. Yes. Yeah, man. Like, I haven't even said anything about Hiffy, which I'm not really. I've got to be honest. I don't know too much about that sort of side of things, like the, the whole Oakland side of things. I know E40 is obviously doing his thing, and like Mac Dre and them back in the day were all right, but oh, yeah. and but I know they're massive back out there. Yeah. Yeah, like I ain't, I ain't never really heard a bad E40 album. I've been pumping E40 since I was a teenager. I was like, yo, he's my dude. <laughs> but he's yeah, that's he's, different, man. Yo, was it Ghetto Report card that came out in like 2005? They tell me where to go. Oh, uh, that's when he was doing the hyphy. Yeah, yeah, the hyphy. Yo, yeah. yeah. Son, nothing, nothing, nothing. That record was was fucking unbelievable. Like that shit was bump. It was like see me and my friends like the only guys like really pumping that album out on the street. Yo, nothing was fucking with that shit that summer. Nothing. See, I, I first heard of him because he was doing records with the Clips, and like I've been a mad fan of the Clips from oh yeah day one. Like, and that's how I heard of E Forty because obviously, like that sort of scene is like we don't hear nothing about that in this country at whatsoever, like at all. But yeah, E Forty's doing his thing. He's big out there. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, he's he's like an elder statesman now. He's like an elder statesman. It's like him, Snoop, and like Too Short is like the elder statesmen of like of all the West Coast because they still put out albums. Yeah. I've got something to ask you, boys. What do you think about Snoop Lion? Have oh. you heard about what Snoop Dogg's doing? No, 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 no. no, no. Talk to us. Talk he's to doing us. a full a full reggae project under the name Snoop Lion. Oh, we yeah, I did read something about that. Oh. That's crazy. I'll listen to it. Yo, that's cool. Yeah, I'll give it a go. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give a go of it too. Like, see, this all goes to my my whole thing. Like, now that hip hop is now you know officially a form of music. Whereas, like, it took like you know how many years for it to finally quote unquote qualify as a form of music and culture. Um, I don't mind if an artist goes outside of their concentric circle or concentric zone and does something else. It's like when Heavy D would do when Heavy D would do a reggae song every now and then on, on one of his albums, and then quit rhyming for a few years, cut a reggae record, just yeah, cut man. a straight reggae record, which was nice. And I was, I don't have a problem with that. Go do something else. You know what I mean? I don't have any pr- any problems with that whatsoever. It's just if you do it, make sure it's tight. That's all I ask. You know, just make sure it's tight. But yeah, I, w- I would listen to a, Sno- uh, a Snoop Lion record for sure. And he's going full method on it, full method acting. He's drafting in like the top producers and DJs out of Jamaica to do it for him. And he's he's going in full blast. I'm, I'm, I've got to be honest, I'm quite excited for it. Not, not whether or not it's going to be good, I don't know. But I'm definitely intrigued to hear it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, am yeah. I. I could believe it because after um, sexual eruption, where basically he got with Teddy, um, you know my man from God, it was basically like, let yeah. me get the talk box and I'm gonna do this joint like a Roger Zap record, mm-hmm. and he killed it that year. 
Like, because people was like, oh, he's using auto. It's like, no, he's not. That's some some before your time, young whippersnapper. He's Rod Zap <laughs> shit. He's he's freaking singing on that shit. I was like, he can do Snoop. Snoop don't care. Snoop do whatever Snoop want. And I believe it. Like, he going to come out with a reggae record. I bet you this shit going to be fire. He going to talk about weed. He going to talk about Snoop Dogg stuff. And it's going to be <laughs> reggae. And it's going to be hot. And we're going to be bumping that shit. It's yeah. like, yo, Snoop Dogg is they keep the king of the West. He ain't yeah, losing yeah. his crown. Just based on longevity alone, he's definitely yeah. out there. I just look at like as far as like the change between '90s West Coast music and now. I'll, you know, like I I remember a lot of the '90s like West Coast music, and you know this, like I know this. A lot of it, like a lot of the quote unquote ones that got the most airplay, it was about weed. It was about how many motherfuckers you could kill, and and you know, or street life. Whereas, and that was just like the, the quote unquote guys that guys that guys or gals that got the airplay, okay? And it was all about being gangster. Um, now, not everybody was like that. E forty one like you know E forty wasn't like that. You know, Spice One would go through would go through a lot of different things. DJ Quick would go through a lot of things. But as far as perception, that's how it was perceived. But nowadays, like today's West Coast rap, it's like this potpourri. Because you'll get West Coast rappers that use the sounds of the South. You'll get West Coast rappers that use the sounds of the East or the Midwest or whatever. And, you know, it's it's just like it's a whole new game, period. Um, and I don't have a problem with that because to me, like, you know, like I said, when you get like it was one thing in the ni- 80s and 90s when labels were territorial. And, yeah, each area had its own definitive sound. But eventually the way music goes you know, he's like, I like that sound over there. I want to try that for me. Well, I like this sound over here. I want to try that for me. And that, that eventually happens. So if anything, the sound, the sound changing, yeah, it, there is a give and take to it because then you have an issue of a lot of people musically sounding like the next dude down the street. You know, and especially with the influx from, uh, you know, southern producers. You know, we got a lot of rappers out right now and even a lot of R&B artists using that same beat over and over again or that synthesizer or that type type stuff over <laughs> and over again. And it's tired. I'll be the hey, I'll be the first to say it's fucking tired. Go do some other shit. But um to me that's like the real, the real the real big difference. And yeah, and like, you know, I mean like I think guys like Kendrick Lamar are really good for hip hop because that song he did with Dre, anytime it's on, I stop what I'm doing. And I just chill out. And I love it. And it also makes me want a detox album. But um It's never gonna happen. I know it's not it gonna goes. happen. I know, I know. And I've let it go. I, have. I thought it was gonna happen though. It, like he did bring out a couple of records, didn't he? It's not gonna happen. Yeah, yeah it's not, man. Whatever, yeah. I, I don't believe in Dre no more, man. No, I still yeah, like he, he didn't burn me too much, man. It's just like, yo, you, you're not gonna do it. Just who can I don't even need you to do it. Look, I still believe in Dre, but like I'm like you. I don't need him to do the record. He, he he has to justify nothing to me. It's like it's like Michael Phelps in the Olympics. It's like if he doesn't get any medals, folks would be like, Well, what happened? I'm like, this motherfucker got 17, 17 medals before this Olympics. Seventeen. Eight and one Olympics alone. He has nothing to justify. And there's always gonna be a difference in sound. Um, you know, from like yesterday, from like yesterday to today, there's all, there's a difference in sound. But I think the one thing about '90s West Coast hip hop was that the sound was the West. Period. When you yep. heard when you heard a track, whether it be a Death Row record, a Quick record, an Ice Cube record, an NWA record, Easy E record, uh, Spice One, uh, Rapping Forte, when you heard those or Too Short, how could I forget Too Short? Any of these cats, when you heard those sounds, 
you knew where it was from. And I say around 1998, that's when it changed. And then, and, and then the sounds became a little bit more universal. And, and like I said, you know, sounds were being picked, and picked out from all across the country. So that's my take on it. I guess for me, the difference between um, 90s hip-hop West Coast and now is a freedom. It's like these kids are free because I think that a lot of things of it, like these guys are really, really young. Like Kendrick Lamar, like he's, he may be like one of the older cats, but like he's still maybe like a quarter. Like all these cats. I don't like, think he's that, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Like barely. Like like all of our future, them is kids. That's why I like I like them. Some of my friends don't like them. Like we all in our 30s, you know, we went through like the golden era. And it's like someone's like, man, I don't really fuck with them. Like, I don't see why you like them. It's like, yo, they they kids being creative. Like they're making whatever the fuck they want. And it's amazing. It's like when I and when I interact with younger people, they just fuck with it. They just so free. They their sounds and the the subject matters all over the place with our future or schoolboy Q or Casey Veggies. Mm-hmm. Or like even Childish Gambino. Like I'll, I'll consider him West. He's he, he became basically a rapper when he moved the fuck over there to make that fucking car, that damn TV show. Like yeah, he's a comedian, but like when he's rapping, he's on some old other shit. Yeah. And like all how, this, how big this, is he out in the states right now? Yo, he's actually if he's actually one of the hotter young rappers. Like he gets he gets funk, he gets Funk Master Flex leaks. If you get oh, okay. if you get leaked on Funk Flex in New York with the bombs being dropped on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you 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 building up? Yeah. Hell, he had freaking Tina Fey rapping on a song. That like, was fucking crazy, dude. That's just hilarious. Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, he's actually he's he's trying to think of being like, yeah, he's an actor, but yeah, he's like legitimately becoming like known as a rapper. And I think he's genuinely good. Like I think what he's doing, you know, it's the post Kanye era of being like, I wasn't a drug dealer. I'm not street. I like I got my heart hurt or I kind of went nice things and now I'm arrogant because now all you fuckers you think I was sucked and I'm now this fucking shit like that type of thing but like <laughs> like like it's that type of like his album was dope and like like I think yeah another group I fuck with Pac Div they've been grinding yeah. years mixtape yeah. after mixtape mix bangers have you heard their newest one I ain't heard it just didn't it just come out like yeah, they, they, they put out it so sounds much different, work. man. It's like, oh, have you heard Pack Div, Sean? No, I have not. I have not heard. Pac-Div. Oh. I will. I will get on this. I've written it down. I have. I got. I got to look through my yo Church League Champions was the yeah. best mixtape of that year. But I didn't even know they were from the West Coast because their whole sound just sounds like something that you'd hear from like Pete Rock or someone like that. Oh, right? You know what I mean? Pacific yeah, Division. Man. Pacific Division is what it stands for. And, and But see, but this is what I'm talking about now, man. It used to be this sound equated to where I'm, where I'm from. Now it's, listen, I'm going to do me, period. I'm going to do me. You know, the sound doesn't represent me anymore. You know what I mean? You know, I will pull in what I want to pull in. And then the sound that you hear, yeah, that represents me. But the quote unquote standard no longer represents me as a whole and you know and then but you can also thank the internet for and you can also thank the internet and, and the advancement of technology in the last 10 years to give you all, all this change too because oh without a doubt because let's be real we wouldn't be talking about any of this stuff if it wasn't for the internet and technology hell yeah man tumblr yeah tumblr myspace back in the day 
Twitter now, like Sound SoundCloud is like cha- SoundCloud is chasing a lot of shit. Yeah, man. Like every time I'm seeing getting like I'm seeing like people putting shit shit on SoundCloud. Like, yeah, you saw my schoolboy Q, like his joint. His joint is fucking ridiculous. I was listening to like the last thing he come out with because he's on Spotify. His shit is on point. Have you ever oh. heard of this dude by the name of Siege Monstrosity? No, see this, no, man. Like, see, okay. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Siege Monstrosity isn't a rapper, but he's a producer, and he put out like a free a free tape called uh, the Procedure. And okay. um, I downloaded. I got. I got to get it to you guys somehow. Um, but like, it's called the Procedure, and it's like all these beats, right? The beats are banging. He's got some beats on here that just like make me just shake my head because I'm like, where is this coming from, and why hasn't anybody picked this dude up? All right, like, Siege Monstrosity, yeah? Yeah, Siege, Siege Monstrosity, yes. And um, actually, he put out a um, a new instrumental record on um, Bandcamp, which is another great site yeah. for, you know, for like, you know, these independent acts. The first one I ever heard was The Procedure, and I got it off this mixtape site. I got I to gotta find it. I'll send you guys a link if I can find it uh, at the end of the recording. But, but he took the uh, ending like a piano piano run from when doves cry and turned it into a track yeah you know he, he did some stuff on there it's so nice and some of it will make you reminisce on sounds from from the 90s but it's current yeah no i'm just gonna jump on that straight away oh yeah no another producer like uh flying lotus yeah, from the West, yeah, yeah. And his his music is off the like. Come on, he's working with Tom York and shit. Yeah, like he's um like not not to a uh, kind of uh, blow the trumpet of how great the UK is or anything, but he's another guy who was doing his thing in the UK for a long time, like because he does a lot with um, grime producers and stuff. Like, uh, do you know guys know about grime music? Yeah, I got a little bit into it like in the early two thousands. I don't know, they was. Some guys got on like a um, dizzy rascal or whatever was gonna yeah get yeah big. like those and I started guys. looking at motherfuckers. I was like, who's this Kano cat? Like I was like, alright, I, I dip a toe. I'm not, I'm not greatly like an expert at it, but I'm just like, yo, like some shit they're doing here now. I was hearing like ten, six, seven, eight years ago when I was just dipping my toe and it's like, oh motherfuckers just catching up to fucking London. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that that Skrillex guy who like I, I don't really give him much ratings, but he his whole blueprint is that sort of sound, isn't it? Like London yeah. dubstepy sort of sound. But um, yeah, like he like Flying Lotus was coming through with those guys. He comes with a different kind of production, man. And uh, that's the other thing I wanted to ask you guys: Have you heard the um, Hodgy Beats EP? No, but I heard it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that's actually got two Flying Lotus beats on it, and it's got a Juicy J beat, two Alchemist beats. Like he, It's only nine tracks, 20 minutes long, and it's just top producers. And like he's a guy from the West who's also doing his thing. Yeah, he's our future, man. Yeah, like, yeah. The yeah. kids is just, they're amazing. Have you, have you ever listened to like, the, the internet? Like, like it's, um, what's her name? The, oh. the kid. Uh, Sid the Kid and like yeah. another like a couple of members they their little joints called the Internet and that is like one of the real talk like it's one of the best little R and B albums I heard in the last like twelve months really you go yeah. you gonna have to you gonna have to uh, get me hip to that then I, cause I, I need to hear that because you know how I feel about my R and B yo for real because you know people when people usually talk about fucking our future 
until recently, all they was talking about was Tyler. And like Tyler has his own specific type of rhyme and how he acts yep. in, in public. But people seem to forget it's like, no, Sid the Kid and the internet do some crazy good shit. Like Haji Beats do some crazy, Mellow Hype do some crazy. And now everybody know they got freaking Frank Ocean out there blowing up the spot. How, how did everyone react to the whole Frank Ocean sort of semi coming out thing? No, no, it's just it's like a very, very good thing because I was really like black people in America have a really f- fucked up thing with homosexuality. Yes, and it's also weird when when a male comes out as being gay, it's treated completely different. If it's a female was coming out as a lesbian, because then there's all that little there's all that male fantasy shit when a when an attractive me female comes yeah. out. But he's like a dude talking about like, yo, I wrote this song about a guy. He wrote this, this letter. And so far, nothing bad, nothing really terrible has come out majorly public. Probably on the internet, there's the trolls and there's the, the bad stuff. I haven't seen it, luckily, because I've been staying away from him. But so far, so good. He's selling out shows. I haven't listened to the album yet. I just bought it on Amazon because it was $3. Cause you know how Amazon like do they just like to get get motherfucking sales. Yeah. And you know, people have been talking about on Spotify all the time on my Facebook. Like it's 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 doing big things. Like I don't know, because I nostalgia also was the shit. Like oh, I got that's dope as hell, man. I got that regular ass scrutiny chop. Mm. Like that shit is that shit bumps. Like it's 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 off the chain, like so. I got, I'm gonna I might listen to it today because there's so many people talking about it. But so far, so good. Hey, maybe he could be a game changing thing that maybe you know people can come out and be taken seriously. I, I think the the biggest controversy behind that is that like automatically people said you know that when uh, when Frank Ocean came out, you know this is a big deal for hip hop. But like I was looking at it from, I'm like, well, this is just really a big deal for black for for black black folks, period. And I'm like, Frank Ocean is more of an R and B dude than a hip hop dude. Yeah, you know. And I'm like, so, but see, that's this whole other thing too. And this is what drives me crazy is when the general populace they can't they don't know the difference between R and B and hip hop, and they just think, oh, it's just a black thing, so it's just hip hop. And I'm like, no. There is a difference between the two, and I wish I would get the shit right. That drives me absolutely crazy because I remember Chuck, like Chuck D on Twitter, was talking about. It. He was like, "Listen, he was like, I think it's great, you know, that Frank Ocean, you know, made, you know, you know, made this announcement, came out about it, talked about. It. He's like, because we need to talk about this stuff. But he said on the journalistic side of things, saying that it's hip hop is fucking lazy. Yeah, it's maybe, but I guess, but it's our future is our future is a hip hop collective, right? And the fact he's part of them, and and maybe that's the thing. Is like Chuck, like Chuck D. I love him, but he's he's a he's a he's he's a grown man. He's he's he's, he's like he's getting close to fifties, mm-hmm. and these kids, these kids don't give a fuck about what you think or care or call hip hop no more. Okay, it's like yo, if we're gonna sing, we're gonna sing. If we're gonna just make instrumental albums, we're gonna make instrumental albums. And I think that's the thing right now coming out of the West is they're challenging all everyone's thoughts on what actually is rap and what actually is hip hop. And I think the East Coast people really do not understand or yet conceive that. And they're gonna keep pushing it. And they're gonna make whatever they're gonna they're like the what the black hippies with Kendrick Lamar. Like they're rapping about stuff that I, I would love to see come out of East Coast artists, but they're not doing it. It's like it's still crack rap. 
and talking about the past or trying to remake the past and they're doing some completely futuristic stuff it's like i'm not even really listening to oh my god i'm seeing a giant chinese man do the dougie sorry um <laughs> oh apologies that fucked me up for a second it was a giant chinese man in a basketball court he was literally dugging well in london <laughs> yes yeah like, <laughs> like, that's how we do it <laughs> like, <laughs> like wow wow i really threw off my thought <laughs> oh my god like yeah it's just so like chuck d saying that like i think maybe some of them are doing some of their due diligence and some of these journalists are younger and they they've traveled with frank ocean and yeah he's hanging out with jay-z and kanye but he's still always ah future do you really think tyler created really cares that chuck d says that frank ocean isn't hip-hop right no, no, for, of course for not. real the the majority of frank ocean as listeners would be like who the fuck is chuck d like, i don't mean to front on chuck d do you know what i mean but a lot of these 15 16 year olds chuck d hasn't made a hot chart worthy album in we're talking nearly 20 years now boys a lot of these youngsters don't even know who these who chuck d and rock him and all, all, all the greats like who I look these are the guys I look up to but these kids don't know about these cats they don't care what they think yes but I, may- I also think that's part of the problem though too it's like like yeah, it's, oh, go, yeah. ahead, go ahead go ahead no 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 go ahead I'm just I'm just agreeing with you yeah it's a double so yeah, yeah it is a major double, oh, it, double sword. you know because you know that's why I feel that then this is my once again going back to my whole problem with radio yeah, if you got like something like serious radio, yeah, it's awesome because then you got a channel like Backspin and it's like, here, here's hip hop history right in your face, right there. Oh, you want the new shit? Well, here's a channel with the new shit. Great. But like on like just regular radio, which which is awful, there's no history there. None. There is no history there. And yeah, I mean, now like today's generation, yeah, you do have the internet. And like Julian said, if somebody want to listen to something, they might just go to YouTube real quick. They do. And yeah, I've seen I've seen that it. That is it. And but the thing is, is that I still say, like, if you have a better balance of knowing a music, a, a music history, and it's not like hip hop history is that fucking large in the amount of years, you know what I mean? It's still, it's, yeah. it's still big, okay? It's big, but like, this is something that has grown up with our generation, period, and you know, our generation and beyond. So like right now, the tome isn't that large. 35 more years from now, that tome is going to be fucking huge. So, but like the tome isn't that big compared to like all the other genres of music. So you can you can learn some shit. But we don't do that. And I think that's one like one of the biggest problems with black culture in general, it's a slash and burn culture, which is a big problem. Because it's like, okay, yeah, this is cool. Burn it down to the ground. I don't have a problem with, re, you know, I don't have a problem with building something new. There's never a problem with that. But there's been so much slashing and burning. Our foundations are weak. Yes. That's the problem. Yeah, I think that's inherent with all the music nowadays, though. Because especially with the, the, the internet being the way it is. Hey, you were saying earlier that it took three years for Warren G to make an album between albums. A, a middle, a, like a sort of not top card rapper waiting three years between albums would never happen nowadays because people's attention spans have got so much shorter. There's so much music coming at you all the time. It's almost like, like things are going quicker than they should, you know? Man, like somebody like Rick Ross is a perfect example. Rick Ross can have an album just drop. Through, through his label through Def Jam and then within the next like two weeks after that there will be like a series of mixtapes of like Maybach music slash Rick Ross mixtapes for like a year 
And then, mm-hmm. and then, and then here's another Rick Ross album. So there's like 50 fucking albums before the next album comes. I mean, they're all yeah. mixtape, but still, I mean, and it's not that bad. I shouldn't say 50, but still, there's all this output because they have to be out there, or people will forget about them. But still, but let's think about it. there's still artists that will drop a hot record. I mean, a complete album because this this will go to a whole other issue that we will record about in the future. Um, the perfect album, the flawless album. Especially in hip hop, because like um, uh, Fonte from um, the Foreign Exchange, formerly of uh, Little the rap group Little Little Brother, was getting into like debates with people about perfect albums, and like somebody would mention a perfect album, he's like, "No, this song is whack. This song is whack. No, this song is whack. This song is whack." And see, and to me, it's all about perception, because what one person's perception of what is whack could be greatness to somebody else. Yeah, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. There's just some. This I think there's some laws though. Yeah, it's a, I'm I'm up to the point where you know some people say there's no bad art or there's no. I think there's over time there's certain rules like, like yo you, like, the, the side note off of, of rap music hip hop, like if someone tells me they come up to me to say Thriller ain't a perfect album, like you lose, like you don't. You don't even talk about pop music no more. We can talk about jazz. We can talk about rock and roll. Yeah. But you never say there's a bad fucking song on Thriller. Right. There's there's no bad fucking songs on fucking Ready to Die. I, there's there's no fucking now. There's, there's, what's funny yeah, is, is Fonte Fonte like got like he didn't I shouldn't say he got on people. He challenged people on Ready to Die because he said that there's a lot of lazy production on Ready to Die. Uh, yeah, it's like what you consider is is lazy. Like, like what's lazy production? Like, what is what is what you mean? They ain't try hard. They just put a lazy production is is at, only Ghostface can do this is to put on the fucking dramatics. Don't make it a beat, but just rhyme over the nigga singing. Yeah, yeah. Only Ghostface can do that. I think like what what um what Fonte was trying to say like what Ready to Die like like the original version of uh, me and me and my bitch or uh, the original version of One More Chance um, stuff like that he felt was like lazy production as opposed to the remix of One More Chance which was just like a big hit you know but yeah but that's the that's the genius of Puffy like I'm gonna let Big do his album cut then but but see. Yo, yo, big! I need you. I need this for the radio. They can't play that, that, that ignorant shit on the radio. I need you to loop over this, this debarge. Like I need, I need you to, I need you to rap over this debarge shit. This debarge shit gonna take people back. It's gonna get us the older cats. It's gonna get us the young cats because they gonna remember that when they was kids. And I need you to rhyme over that. I need you to get. That's that's that puffy genius. That's that puffy hey, genius. Puffy said it himself. We invented the remix, man. Yeah. He invented that shit, like the really to make it popping like that. I I, I say he he invented the 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 constant consistency of putting out remixes. Like to me, the first remix is the Buddy remix by De La Soul. Yeah, because it's a different fucking song. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a way different song. That's the to me that's the first remix back in '88. Um, you know that to me that's the first remix. But Puffy turned the remix into a genre. Okay, because once he started dropping remixes, like it became official, and 
all these labels. It's like, oh, that single's kind of hot. You need a remix. Somebody go get Jermaine Dupree for the remix. Or, get, or go get Tumbling Dice. Go get Tumbling Dice for the remix. Yo, go get Trackmasters for the remix. Yo, go get so-and-so for the remix. Hey, I need that Eric Sermon remix next week. You, dude, go look through the 90s when CD, CD Maxi singles, not just a single, CD Maxi singles was hot. And especially for hip-hop and R&B, there would be one song, seven tracks, six remixes. Yeah. And that was the standard. And there would be some hot shit on there too. So, but yeah. But that's the way it was. That, you know, what's funny is that there's Tiki Peaking of currently, there's no real remixes anymore. Nope. There was people jumping on people's tracks. It's like, yo, you hear blah, 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 spit over that blah, blah, blah beat. And everybody gets links. But there's no remixes no more. No, no, there's not. We'll see. Yeah, I- that is very true, man. I'm trying to think of one now. Yeah, man, it, it it doesn't really exist that much anymore for the simple fact. Well, one, like you said, like you know, you'll get people who do mixtapes and take somebody's beat and rhyme over it, or, but now, like the way music production is now, like say for instance, the uh, let's go back to MC Light's uh, "Bad as I Want to Be" album, and the and listen to the original version of like uh, "Cold Rocket Party," and like when you heard that, I'm sure they was like, "Eh, that's all right, that's all right." You know what? But I got an idea, and like Puff like called up Light and was like, "Listen." We, you know, he's like, she's, he's probably like, yo, I like what you did with this, but we could do something better. Let me go call Missy. I got a beat right here. Let's use this Diana Ross track and let's go back and do and do a remix. But do we, you know, but do, but in today's world, do we have time to go through somebody's album and say, you know what, that was kind of hot, but not hot enough? Yeah, because by that time you just make a new track. Yeah, it's like there's never going to be a Mercy remix. No, you just—they're just gonna make the next shit. Right. They're just gonna put you. They just smack you in the face with new guy flow. Yeah. Speaking of the song "New God Flow" by um, by Kanye and Pusha T and Kanye, I gotta say, the first time I heard that. The first time I heard New God Flow, somebody put it on a website and they uh, and they and they used they made a video using Jack Kirby New God artwork. That shit got me so hype. I wasn't paying attention to the song. <laughs> yo, yo, let me all right, let, all right, I'll be real hateful right this. People won't hear this. All right. All right, all right. Yo. Who the fuck was talking about Ric Flair all the time? I don't know about four years ago. You? I think I was doing that shit. Yep. I think I was talking about woo. I was on my motherfuckers podcast. I was talking about that shit. I was embracing it, glorifying, deifying Ric Flair, and I got to give respect out to Killer Mike because he gave me the whole fucking song off of that nigga. It's a real tune as well. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I had to, I had to give him Twitter dab, and he responded to me because it's Ric Flair. Like, who and but it, it, I'm not hating on Pusha T because it's Ric Flair. Who shouldn't love to Flair? But I'm just saying, like, who the fuck was talking about new guy shit on some rap music shit? I was. Why am I so far ahead of everybody? <laughs> <laughs> I remember when you was calling, uh, calling your iPhone a mother box four years ago. Night four years ago, the first minute. That's what I called it. Hmm. I call my mother. I call my iPhone a mother box since 2007. Hmm. Motherfuckers is just cashing up to me. <laughs> I was on that Kirby shit first. If I could rhyme, I would rhyme over the beat. 
because I was doing all that shit first. Big Flair <laughs> and Jack Kirby shit, Kirby Crackman. When I walk into a place, I have the fucking dots around me and my fucking Ric Flair robe. That's why I just want to get that out of myself. That had to go out to the universe. I was doing this shit like years ahead. Barack wasn't even president yet when I was talking about all this shit. Mm. No, you're right. No, you're right. Because like, I've known you since then. I remember you talking about, hell, I had you on the podcast years ago talking about this yeah. stuff. I'm on recording talking about Ric Flair mm-hmm. all early. When he was, people weren't even fucking with wrestling. People weren't even talking about how he, he the goat. He the goat. Motherfuckers don't even understand. But yeah, I, I didn't even like the song the first time I heard it. I had to hear that shit again and again. Because when I first heard it, I was like, oh, well, the hook is going to be hot. How you going to sign up one of them hot ghost face lyrics and then not be hot? I, I used to say that back in, was it 99 or something? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's ghost face killer. You can't, it's ghost face killer. G O D. Like, but then it, it grew on me. What he said, because Pusha T. You know, that dude was a beast. To me, in that song, those were like I heard hunger in those rhymes. With that song, I heard hunger. You know, I, like somebody that was hungry to rhyme, and I heard that in that song. And the thing is, like with Kanye, like like Kanye. When I hear Kanye, when I hear Kanye tracks, it's like it's it, lately it's been like a fifty-fifty. And I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I don't because I enjoy his resume at work. You know what I'm saying? I enjoy it, but. There are times when he gets on at the end of a song and he will command and take over a song. Yeah. And when you see when you hear that, it's like, you know, this dude could be beyond great. And so then like that raises the expectation. So if you hear something else from him and it's not to that level, you're like, oh, that at least I am. But when he comes in on the last two minutes of, uh, of New God Flow. And especially when the beat drops and it's just like the hard drums going and like he just starts going on this tirade. That got me so hype. I, you know, I just wanted to go run a marathon. That's 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 I think when he's perfected, like it's this weird thing where he's he's rapping. He's rapping with MCs that let's be real is of higher caliber. He's rapping with Jay-Z. If he's rapping with Nas, if he's rapping with Pusha T, because motherfuckers been overlooking Pusha T. For ten. forever, forever. Cause push a ton is the truth. Like, like, like this. Alright, this, this, this. You gotta go. This fucking cool rap. Do you get the Jay Z? Do you get to the clips? That's the. That was the crack rap. High notes. Yep. And all these motherfuckers is coming after push and push a T and, and no malice to the point where you can kind of like. You can't say you don't believe they didn't sell fucking cake when they was doing all that bullshit with Jive. Like, you really, I really don't know. Yeah. So, everything is so much legitimacy in his rhymes. It's just like, I ain't really naming no names. I ain't really, but you know, I push enough snow to make the poker nose look fucking like the desert. Like, it's like, I don't know. It's like, he might be true. But then you got Jay Z. I mean, I mean, Kanye coming on with that hold up. I ain't trying to stunt, man. But DGZ jumped over the jump, man. Went from ha- most hated to the champion, God flow. I guess that's the feeling only me and LeBron know. I'm living three dreams. Biggie Small by the King, Ronnie King. Because we can't, well, that shit is hard. Yes. And, 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 that's, and, and that's my thing. It's like when he goes to that level, that's when I'm like, okay, this is the reason why Kanye, music wise, is so strong. You know what I mean? When he goes to that level. And, 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 and look, look, shoot, it's hard to maintain that. You know what I mean? It's hard to constantly do that. Some cats could do it with the greatest of ease, but like for other cats, that's hard to maintain. So, 
You know, it's just like with that, but with him, on, on as far as music goes, when he goes to that level, that's where I keep the bar. So if he comes out with something else and it's not at that bar, I, you know, I get disappointed. You know, because that's the dude where, like, you know, there are artists where I always set the bar high because I feel that I know, you know, I feel I know what they can accomplish. And when they don't reach it, that's when I get disappointed. But, like, New God Flow brought that back for me. It brought it back. And, yeah, you're right. That Ghostface sample, you cannot go wrong with that. You can't at all. And But the thing is, this also actually gets me kind of hyped for this, quote, unquote, good music, because that's Kanye's label, good music um, compilation record. And that's, that's the thing I'm looking forward to most this summer, man. Yo, I think summer. it's going to be good. Yeah, is that what it's called, yeah? Cruel Summer. Cruel Summer, yo. Yeah. Cruel Summer. That's, that's what I might, yo, that's what I might name my whole next year. I might buy it and be like, yo, when I really push some shit out in comics, it's the Cruel Summer. Hmm. <laughs> like, because cause it's two people, because like, 2 chains, 2 chains probably going to be all over that shit. 2 chains ain't even signing good music. 2 chains is another dude motherfuckers that slept on for, or left and looked behind for so long that he titty started boy, writing. I don't even think he... Yeah, Titty Boy. Like, they didn't look, they didn't look past him so long. And now he's on everybody's song. And I read the Fade interview. He's like, yo. He's like, yo, you, you slept on me? That's why I'm going to overcharge you when I hit you these 16 bars. Hmm. And he's gonna make everybody listen to it, cause yo, I don't know what it is, but when you hear that two chains, yo, it's like yo, people lose their fucking mind. So you see it, that Mercy song, like I remember I was listening to like a Rosenberg interview with Push. He's like, yo, I was like, real talk, I I had the best verse, and you know he's true, he does have. To, when you listen to it, he has the best verse, but Kanye's part, cause Kanye made the beat or whatever, he has the best part of the song, cause it's going some straight club shit. And then two chains come in and takes it from everybody, and his the rhymes ain't even difficult, but there's so much charisma eking out of him. Like the weakest link on that whole Mercy song is Big Sean, mm. and that's why he's first. You get him out the way, he's like the warm up. <laughs> it's like you, it's when you dancing around, you know, it's when you stretching. Yeah. It's like your mind stretching for the track, <laughs> <laughs> and then Push T comes in, and it's 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 like. It's like a super. It's like when Superman comes in and just decides to punch a person in the chest. That's what Pusha T verse is. Yeah. Kanye verses is on some new guy flow shit. Motherfucking Mr. Miracle come out the fucking black hole. I just escaped. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm doing some magical shit. Ooh, ping, 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 ping all over the place. And then two chains come in on some. Like he's like it's just like image comics. That shit is like fucking spawn just coming out of nowhere, just like oh shit, God money tall as Joe. Oh, just fall down. Just like and just kills everything. Cruel Summer's gonna be so fucking like I, I maybe I'm hyping it up, but it was like it was this album and the Nas life is good. And that's the only thing I fucking cared about this summer. Hmm. I've been shocked. I, you, I got now. You got Taylor telling me about these hype little mixtapes. I, I ain't know Pack Div came out with a new joint. I gotta go yeah, scour the internet to get some Pack Divi. I ain't had Pack Divi in a, in a little bit since their album dropped, their official album. And now we got this new fire. I gotta need new fire. But is Common still on good music? Yeah, I don't. Know. I think he kind of is because I think he's on that cover complex, which was just a Kanye kiss ass issue. But hey, you know that's hey Kanye got that power to make a magazine kiss his ass for a whole month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think so because technically, technically, Yas and Bass part of good music. Really? 
Yeah, but Yasin only brings out tracks because he doesn't even freaking like the music industry. He only puts out tracks when he feels like it. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he comes out with a track. It's a man. He redid that 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 freaking Wayne record, that John album, that record, and just it's like month and again, Drake. How you gonna talk about you singing? And you, you first singer rapper when 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 Mighty Most Def had a song that was the Jordan commercial. Oh yes, the, yes, yes. My Umi, he was selling, he was selling Jordan. Michael Jordan was like, I want that joint for my for my commercial. Not even cut. It was four different versions of that commercial. Yes, yes. You yes. don't even need to spit no more though, because he's getting them acting dollars. Exactly. He only he only rap because he likes to rap. He don't even exactly. He don't even like, he just I, he comes in and smacks people. He's like, oh come, hey Talib, let's let's do let's do one track. Smack people upside the head. <laughs> oh yeah, get people get people so hyped for it. His his old microphone, his old style microphone. He comes out with the, the dope bed, spits fire, may sing a little something, goes away. Amazing. Yeah, Amazing. man. Hey, look, a uh, universal magnetic changed my life. Like, being in my, like, I was in my late teens and it was just like, I heard that tune and it just, it blew me away. It told me I knew I, what I wanted to listen to and the sort of music I was on, you know. A tune just was just something else. And from then on out, do you know what I mean? I, although I still don't think he's released a perfect album, if you want to talk about perfect albums. But that True Magic was pretty good. That album that got no fucking promotion and got put out and then taken yeah. off. And they didn't have a cover on the. It, oh, like the, oh, the True Magic record. No, see, there's some. There was something behind that True Magic record. There was a reason why that was. He was a fulfilling. Uh, he was fulfilling his contract. Yeah, but it was good. Yeah, it was good. I track. The record deal, if I remember right, even I might be wrong. I'm, I might be wrong on this, but I think this was uh, the contract for, uh, fulfilling release for Geffen because Geffen had bought. And bought slash absorbed Rockus Records. Yeah, and um, and so basically, I think the way it worked out was, it, you know, they like I said they bought up Rockus, and and so Geffen, like most Def at the time before Jason Bay, owed um, them one last record. So some of this was supposedly unreleased material, but I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure of that. I can't I can't say that for sure. And I'm probably wrong on it, but the album just kind of like just came out there during like the end of 2006 and um but like i the one thing i do remember from that album was the song undeniable because undeniable got a grammy nomination that i remember it, it was just weird there's some good cuts on it but it was it just didn't it was it was just odd to me because like you know when most deaf put something put something together it is complete like especially yeah. like well, like black on both sides that was complete the new danger for the most part was complete but like with true magic there was something about it to me that felt incomplete you know as opposed to the album the independent record he dropped called the ecstatic i love that album no that album was yeah all day yo yeah Now, it's around this part of the show, we really started to have some major, major sound issues. So uh, this last part of the conversation, we, we were actually talking about Batman The Dark Knight Rises, but um, some of it had to be cut off due to audio issues over, you know, with Skype. So you're going to be jumping probably like two thirds into that conversation, but it's still it's still very good. So I wanted to keep that on, keep that up. 
part of the podcast, so I want you to be able to listen to it. Plus, we talk about some other uh, like comic book stuff as well. So, you know, I just wanted to give you a nice lead in before you start to listen to this part. All right, enjoy. Peace. Yo, let's not. There's some things that happened. My friend Devon Sanders wrote this nice blog post yes. this past week. It's like everything that people complaining about, he he wrote the, he wrote this happened in this issue, this happened in this issue, this happened in this issue, this happened. So basically, all your complaints, you need to have a place with Batman, not with the movie they made, right. but with just because it does some issue. You read your little couple issues, or yo, I'm sorry, you like your little Scott Snyder, or you're a little bit older, <laughs> you only you only like Chuck Dixon Batman, or. You know, and you you want to disavow this happened. You want to disavow the fact that the Catwoman wasn't called Catwoman at first; she was called the Cat. And and you know what? How about this? Catwoman was never brought to life by a bunch of cats after she fell out of a window for Christopher Walken. That that's, t- that's Tim Burtonism. That's not real Catwoman. Fall back. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know what's real though? For every person that's crying foul because of some continuity error, the Time Warner don't care about the whoever that is because they're getting yeah. X amount of thousands and thousands of people who love it. They, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? They're, they're going to make a billion dollars out of this without a doubt. Yeah. The things, the only thing that makes me sad about this movie is what happened, the tragedy that happened, and, and the, Yo, and the other definitely. things that happened from it. Because now there's like people they might go in there throw firecrackers in the theater. There's fights going on. It's like oh, some idiots, man. Yeah, basically, but it's like it it started something and this is this maybe some people might not like this or whatever. That's I think some that's more part of the concept alone. Like Batman is born out of like the urban environment and crime. Like so it's like crime made Batman in certain ways, maybe some it still influences people like you saw this image and then people just do stupid shit and it's like I like the Avengers but it's almost the same it doesn't in time it's not going it's not it's not going to really matter much in time like historically like there's something about this movie and, and about these sets of movies and it's juice of thematically of like America or maybe the western world and it's issues with terrorism mm-hmm. is is it feeds it and it's feeding back into it. It's like feeding back out of it. And it's and I don't know if we know how to deal with it. It's like I like the Avengers, but about space aliens and some colorful people doing some shit really ain't say much. But this Batman movie's bringing like some shit out of people that I don't know if we know how to deal with yet. Right. Well, uh, you know what? Yeah, there's a you, the themes of of the film. Like once again, no spoilers. Uh, the themes of the film are, are very, very heavy duty. I'm surprised that even like a director of Christopher Nolan's stature was allowed to do some of the things he did. But like, they the themes weren't underlying at all. They were right in your face, like real world issues that are going on around the planet at the moment. You know what I mean? Serious, yo. And people just doing crazy shit. I think if what happened and happened, a Batman would have made 200 plus million would have beat Avengers opening. I think if what happened and happened, it would be making more money. I think there's literally people's like, I'm not going to see Batman on the weekend because I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I, in my new job, I know people who's like, yo, I'm only going to see Batman on the week. Yes. Yeah. If I go during the week, I know nothing's going to happen. Like, when have you ever heard some shit like that for a fucking movie yeah, of a superhero? Superhero, yeah. Like some people are kind of shook to go to this movie because it's like, yo, shit could pop off. <laughs> it's true, man. I don't, I'm not even laughing about it. That is, that's deep, man. 
That is really that's, that's it is deep disturbing deep and, and it's sad. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, without a doubt. You know, I, I give I give props. You know, I give props to like you know cats like Christian Bell who went out to Aurora, Colorado, and you know and, and like you know he he went out there. Warner Brothers said, you know what, we got to give up some money. You know, let's 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 get let's get some money and contribute. Hans Zimmer put a song together called Aurora and is donating proceeds from sales of that song to victims. That you know, there are, there are still people that are like you know raising money to try to help pay these medical bills for these folks and stuff like that. So, see, that's what it, I, I, I can't get that man. That I'm sorry, like, I, I don't know. I don't want this to turn into political podcast 101, but boy, people having to pay for their own medical bills because they got shot is that in in the UK is something that you, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't. It wouldn't the NHS. It just wouldn't happen. That that my brain can't can't wrap his head around that. It, it's just sad, so sad. But that's uh, like, as I said, I don't want this to turn into political podcast one hundred and one, man. Cross Atlantic politics or anything. Yeah, yeah, but nice reels. Like, like I can see the comic book people raising money for it. But if you famous, and I know you taking in seven figures, yo, pay for pay for just to pick a person and pay for this shit. Yeah, man. That plays into the question of like, it's like just placing back to Batman. If if Batman wasn't around, is, there's an argument that whoever would do those sort of things would find someone else to latch onto and do them anyway. You know? Yeah. I think it comes down to what sort of person you are. Oh, this yeah. is getting deep, man. We're talking about rap music over here. Oh yeah, y'all got mad deep. That's like, so I, I just sit back and I just like, I'm I'm just absorbing this. I'm just taking all this in. Yo. I talk about that Batman shit all day. Some people find holes, whatever. I'm gonna watch it again. I'm gonna find out these holes. And I, like, I get, I get kind of heated sometimes. People talking about this, this ain't Batman, this ain't Batman, Omni Batman. It's like, no, man. Like, I don't know what the fuck you talking about. I don't know what this awful Batman you talk about. Some people they don't even like Batman past 1960. They like right. Batman with the, with the zebra suit on. Like, and it's like, well, that's not bad. You know, that is Batman. You ain't read it. You ain't like it. I don't care. It's still Batman, still there. Right, like, there are so many freaking variations of Batman, too. I'm like, there is no one Batman, okay? Batman there, shit every month, son. Like, it gets me so angry. Like, there's five Batmans coming out. There's five different Batmans coming Sean. Yeah. They ain't even the same. Right, right, They right. have arguments over that shit, like, in the con. Like, one writer says Tim Drake was robbing, another one says he wasn't. But I'm just saying like this, you can't use that defense. You can't use the defense that Batman don't use guns when he used guns for like a year and a half. Why, 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 why is Batman a hot mess? I'm intrigued. Uh, why Batman? Why is DC a hot mess? I'm intrigued. Yo, they don't, they don't got no consistency in their editorial nope. direction. Like, shit don't make no sense. Right, like, no, look, I'm not disagreeing with you or, or agreeing. I kind of, I don't really know. That's why I'm asking, man. Yeah, like, I'm not really reading it. I, like, I read Wonder Woman, and I'm too much behind on that. But, like, I read Justice League, and the Wonder Woman I read in Wonder Woman is not the same Wonder Woman I read in Justice League. But shit, and damn. Like, it's like a yeah. different characters. Batman shifts from between every one of his books. Like, the more Batman Inc. reads, like, yo, Flashpoint never happened, yo. Like, it's mm. the same Batman that I was reading before you motherfuckers decided to reboot everything. So I'm going to stick with this Batman, because Grant Morrison's going to finish his run and stop writing superhero comics, and then I'm done. Hmm. I'm done with I'm done with you because you guys don't know what you're doing and you're not making hot new shit. And you know what? You're not letting the hot new people in. You keep the same old cats. And all the hot young people can go to Image or make their own ass or some shit. Mm-hmm. Or they'd go to animation. 
on animation, and all it's going to do is make all the new hot ideas going to come from somewhere else. And they just and what happened is the combo's going to fall, and they're just going to let directors make dope-ass movies out of all the shit you guys been working on and loving so much and collecting and putting in little plastic sleeves. Because you don't want to let no new hot end. Like, Tabo shit look like a chunky-ass figure. It should look like some Ghost in the Cell shit. He should just be like a black fucking Ghost in the Cell character or some shit. Like, his fucking arms just open up. should be dope-ass shit leaking in and... Like, he shouldn't even... He shouldn't look like a big, chunky 1980s fucking action figure. He, sh- he should look like he come out fucking Metal Gear Solid or some shit. Victor Stone... You, the way they designed, redesigned, and redesigned, and redesigned Cyborg over the years hurts my heart. Because out of all the advancements in technology, and with all the incredible artists that are out there that can design stuff, what they gave Cyborg for Justice League, like I said before, and I joked about it, he looks like Cyber Donatello from the image Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles run. He does. And it. And it hurts me. It hurts me because it's one of my favorite characters of all time. I was introduced to Cyborg via the Superpowers, uh, you know, uh, Galactic Guardians cartoon voiced by Ernie Hudson. Yes. You know, that's... 30 years ago, isn't it? Yeah, man. Yeah. This changed, dude. Yeah, man. And, and, and it hurts me. Uh, it, 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 it hurts me not as in like, you know, like he killed a family member hurts me, but it hurts me for the lack of creativity that's what hurts me you know you could give superman uh, a new costume with no with no red underwear and speed lines that's cool that's okay all right cool whatever yay everybody's happy about it or not everybody but you know they can redesign it and make it sleek uh wonder woman's went through so many redesigns in the last year i've lost track but like all these other costume redesigns are sleek but cyborg is clunky and i don't under and i didn't understand this like why is he so clunky and everybody else so sleek and and fresh and clean you know it's like you know we want to make sure that you guys know that he's a cyborg i'm like you know what it's his name i think i can fucking understand that and get it you know yeah. I, I i hate it you know i, I don't like it and so yeah it's just that they have mad issues once again I, I go to i go back to the dc nation animated thing as a perfect example of yeah i know cartoons are a different medium than comic books but in a 22 minute episode of young justice even if i haven't watched the whole season i just come in come in just a just an episode in the middle of the season i know what's going on and i get a complete story in 22 minutes even if it's part of a story arc it's still a complete story with emotional storytelling character development in 22 minutes than in 20 pages of some of your current DC comic books. That is disturbing to me. Okay? It's disturbing. Um, and disturbing on the on the half of the comic book side of things, not the animation side of things, because animation always stays hot. Even with those two minute yeah. shorts, I saw the uh, like the like anime slash manga ish version of Batman, Catwoman, and Bane yesterday. You know, Bane yesterday. Dude, dude, dude don't even like I saw the online leak. Almost lost my like Kung Fu Catwoman. That shit was on some Kung Fu shit. Almost lost this. Yeah, it, it was hot. It was flat out hot. And like I saw that, I was like, that's a total of four minutes. And that four minutes of hotness was, was better than, than like 30 or 40% of the, of the current new 52 material that is either still in print or has been canceled. They're willing to experiment. And I, and I like that. Whereas with the new 52, it's not really an experimentation as much as it is an adjustment. 
you know, and then I, like once again, I know why they did it. They yeah, they had to do something. It was just that the way it was done. I compare it to. I compare it to going to your favorite restaurant. And if I've said this before, you know, forgive me because I do repeat shit a lot. It's like going to your favorite restaurant of all time and getting that quality steak, big ass baked potato and like another side piece that, you know, you're just going to love and your mouth is watering for it because, you know, it's going to be the best meal you've had in your entire life. And they bring it out to you on like this nice plate. I mean, it's beautiful. It's shining. The food looks glorious. The steam's coming off of it. And before they put the plate on your table, they pause. They go get the nastiest trash can lid possible, slide your dinner onto that trash can lid and serve it to you on the trash can lid. That's how I feel about some of the new 52 stuff. <laughs> That's how some of these cats are being served. And, and you know, and there are just so many, like I said, there's so many issues with the comic book industry, business, business in general that I have issue with. And a lot of it is, is how it is served. You know, that's- so you think though the old DC, uh, well the old DC, the new DC, it was such a half-assed attempt that it's still the old people in charge doing the the old things uh, that uh, they really should have jumped on and really capitalized, put loads of new guys on and see what happened. I, I think I think it's not it's not that it was half-assed. It was that like it was something that started with good intentions, and now that Warner Brothers is on top you know looking at what dc does that makes you know cats like the deal and them paranoid so nothing is ever resolute so it's like okay we're going this direction no they might freak out all right do this no do this no do this no do this and then you know and yeah they brought in a lot of the cats from the 90s like bob harris and and you know bob harris remembers image you know like well like all these dudes made this exodus for image so i gotta go get these cats because some of those image cats did come back to marvel under that run so i need to get these cats because i know these people because we got to get these books out right now because we don't have a big we don't have we don't have a, a big timeline to do this this is kind of like a spur of the moment type thing because we're trying to change the game so i got to get people that i know already and this is so i don't have time to, to like go look for new hotness not that they were going to look for new hotness and so it, it brought about all these things so yeah i mean sales wise they've you know patched some cuts you know they've they've stopped the bleeding but in the long run what is it going to do and, I th- and that's the whole thing. I, I see short-term goals, but I don't see long-term goals. Like I said before, don't give me a half-assed Mr. Terrific. You know, I'm still pissed off about that. Still, to this day, angry over a comic book. I should not never be angry about a comic <laughs> book. That's stupid. I, that. I should never be angry about a comic book. Before, before we close out, as always, we got to let people know where they can find you on the internet. So, Julian, can you tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, they can find me on julianlito.com. L-Y-T-L-E. Some people don't know how to spell my last name. Um, I'm on Twitter. The first and last name right there, at Julian Lito. You can read ants at ants.julianlito.com. Updates twice a week. Now, because the new job updated at the nighttime, so you read it when you're watching your primetime shows. <laughs> and... um. Yeah, you know, I got new things popping up. I'm trying to, do, I got new stuff I'm putting in the oven. I'm trying to cook up some marvelous for 2013, so I can have my cruel summer. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So I get my Ric Flair robe, really, really stunt on everybody, make it real frosty out here. Uh, nice, nice. Now, now, uh, Taylor, where can they reach you? Uh, first off, 
I'll also say go and read Ants because he's funny man and you drop waste man in a strip so I give you high ratings that was a that was big doings man I chuckled at that Yo, that shit's uh, so hot. So much good hot slang from over there, man. You be, <laughs> you be blessing me with it. Oh, Lord, that's so fire. <laughs> hey, i got to do my bit, you know. Um, yeah, no, just find me. Uh, I'm just on Twitter, at Taylor Pivers. Everything that I do, you can find me from there. Uh, I do a weekly thing for the theweeklycrisis.com. So go and read that. It's trade paperbacks and comics and stuff. Because comics are good. Yes. Yes, yes, definitely comics are good. Uh, read Action Lab comics as well, because <laughs> Action Lab comics are good as well. Uh, thank you for the plug, brother. I appreciate it. <laughs> Not that you need a plug, do you know what I mean? I just thought I'd just put my two cents in. Hey, man, hey, hey, we need all the help we can get, brother. <laughs> all the help we can get. You know. Oh, man. And where, and where are you on, on Twitter again? Uh, I'm at Taylor Pivers. That's T-A-Y-L-O-R-P-I-T-H-E-R-S. Cool. Nice. All right. Well, before all right. Well, before y'all go, once again, thank you for coming on the show, talking about music to the people. Because like, I got to educate folks about the music. Because like I said, man, this is a pop culture show, so I always got to mix it up and keep it icy. So like so the, the so the fact that like team the whole team Tundra for the first time was together on the podcast was I'll a pin this. Yes, it was a wonderful, wonderful time, and um, I can't say thanks enough, y'all. Thank you for being on the show. No, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at hhwlod.com and is also available via iTunes. If you're on iTunes or our forum board, feel free to leave us a comment. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard.